This is fucking great, man. Yeah, you like it? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, you've been to all the podcasts, so that's a big compliment. Yeah, this is really fucking nice. I always aspired uh, to be Rogan of the yeah, UK. We all did. So I was like, we let me get did. a big fucking table. No, Rogan's. so Rogan's table, his initial table was pretty close. Tommy and I were talking about it, and he was like, I think you should get out of the... Uh, the couch game and get a table and I got a table and I found that my interviews I found I'm not as relaxed oh really you feel yeah. it's a bit more formal for me but I enjoy being interviewed on a table more personally uh, but I found that I uh, I don't let them talk very much and I'm on top of them and I'm not very relaxed and I'm nervous that they're not doing well really yeah so I, I just I, I and this is why I'm such a fan of this space I just uh we just bought a house and built out a whole podcast studio to make it a little more homey, a little more relaxed, a little more casual, because yeah. that was my first podcast studio. Man, I, have, I get so fucked up with podcasts because my first investment was like roughly $800. Really? $800. I remember getting paid my, my first ad sales read and being like, dude, this is the best business plan I've ever... I'm $800. I'm getting $1,500 in ad read. I did five ad reads the first day. My money on Travel Channel was $7,000 an episode. And I looked at my my check and I was like, five ad reads? I was like, I just made the same money roughly that I made on Travel Channel. I'm not paying agents or managers. I didn't leave my house. My investment's $800. I go, this is fucking... This, I feel like I moved to San Francisco and I'm selling blue jeans. There was somebody <clears> did Herbert. <throat> you're talking about. So Herbert was a uh, Herbert was the first thing I ever did. Yeah. Well, I, I did a show called The X Show, and on the X Show, I did an, a segment called Herbert, yeah. where I took dangerous men's jobs, and then they FX said, "Let's just do that show." Uh-huh. And so then we did Herbert, where I was an MMA fighter. I fought a bear. I was swimming with great white sharks. It was I, a bull one as well, right? Dude, I, I got mauled by a bull. That was the fucking worst. That, that was when I realized they didn't have my health. And longevity and interest. Yeah, they didn't give a fuck about you. They, the, I, I, I'm such a dickhead. I was like, oh, yeah, the name of the show is Hurt Bert. If I don't get hurt, we don't have a show. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I got mauled by a bull, broke my legs, broke my broke my leg, broke my foot, and broke my ribs. I don't think you give yourself enough credit, though, podcasting-wise, because I just watched your Louis C.K. one. Yeah. It was amazing. I talked over him the whole time. No, no. You guys had, like, a great back and forth. It was yeah. beautiful. Well, that well, Because he, 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 he plays well with you. And a lot of the comments were like, he's, he's a great foil for you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I work well with uh, guys like Louie and Tom. Yeah. Louie and Tom are very, very, very similar. I can tell you. They're very similar dudes. Very fucking similar. Yeah. Tom uh, likes to jerk off in front of... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Is no. that an elephant in the room when you're talking to a huge comedian who's had a scandal? Are you like... No. Does he ever bring it up? Do people bring it up? Like, or is it just sort of not, you don't even mention it anymore? Well, on a podcast, I'd never bring it up with him because I don't, I'm not that guy. Like, I don't like confrontation. Um, I'd make a joke about it, definitely. But I didn't even realize I was kind of digging. We were talking about things you were turned on by and I was showing him quicksand porn. But bro, I was literally just watching this. Yeah. I was like, I've never heard of this in my life. And I've watched pretty much every porn I can think of. I've watched all of them. Yeah. I've watched all of them. You, you were literally like, this is the good bit. I was like, wow, he's really been watching. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've watched a, a great deal of quicksand porn. The people that are into quicksand porn are called sinkers. <laughs> yeah. Because I thought, right, in my, uh, you know, from the male point of view, I'm like, I guess the girls get trapped. And at that point, the man comes up and like, oh, he's no. like, oh, you need a little help there. But no, it's just literally women getting covered in quicksand. And then disappearing. Yeah. <laughs> If you'd married long enough, the part when their mouth goes under is the best part. 
<laughs> no, it's uh, this guy. I I got. I mean, I'm, there was. A, I got into a, a genre of porn called uh, down blousing, where it was just all it is is the because I'm a ta- I'm, I get the re- the fakeness of porn takes me out of it. Yeah. Like when you hear a girl like, uh, you like that, daddy? No mm. one talk. I mean, girls I have sex with, my wife doesn't <coughs> talk like that. Mm. Down blousing was so cool because it's a girl in like her husband's shirt, loose fitting shirt, uh, rubber gloves, and she's just cleaning the toilet, talking to you about your day with no bra. And she's like, so later today, you want to take the kids up at soccer? Or do you want me to? And you can see her tits. It's the part that turns you on in real life. And that's what I connected to. That makes sense, yeah. Because yeah. I remember watching like those um, mom porn videos where they come and they open the door and they're like in a dressing gown where their huge tits are like exposed. Those are the, I mean, those are the sexiest moments in life. Yeah, is when I, mean, I can still think. I think of things. There's times in my life where I go, and not a pervert, but like where a woman has leaned down and accidentally you see her boob and you're like, and you just get a glimpse. You avert your eyes. You're not like, ah, but you're like. Whoa, that's so much hotter than any porn anyone's ever going to make. We're not allowed to talk about that as men because apparently that makes you a pervert. Like yeah. people forget, in order for us to even still be here as a species, we need to be attracted to women. So oh, if yeah. a woman bends over right in front of you at a gym, yeah. it doesn't make you a pervert if you notice it. Like if you keep harassing her, then you're a pervert. Yes. But we're allowed to notice things. You're allowed to you're allowed to see a beautiful woman and go, "Wow, she's gorgeous." Yeah. And then I mean, just don't make a meal out of it. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, that's, I think that that most regular guys understand that. And then there's guys, I've seen them, like guys who are, I had a manager one time who just anytime a girl walked by, be like, look at that, look at that tits on that one. And you're like, I'm like, what? I don't even want you to be my manager. Do you ever think about my career? Like, all you think about is tits. I'm trusting you with my fucking future. Yeah. And all you think about is tits. God damn it. So, but, uh, that I, one time I got a, a lap dance. This is my favorite lap dance I've ever gotten. Okay. So, uh, we were in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and uh, we get done a show. We go over to this. I wish I remember the name of the strip club because it's so great. Manager's at my show. He's got girls with him. He goes, why don't you come over? Uh, just have drinks, whatever you guys want. So we go over the whole crew. It's our last show of the tour. And uh, I love lap dances. I love lap dances. I love, I love lap dances. I love lap dances, but I love strip clubs mostly because I grew up in Florida. That energy of a strip club is fun. You know, it's like, I don't know. Cigars and guys and fucking girls are naked and drinks and everyone's having a good time. Everyone's inhibitions are a little let down. And so we go there and I get all the guys lap dances and I'm, I'm not, I, I usually don't get lap dances because people can see you. And then if they are watching me get a lap dance, they'll videotape it. And I just, that's why I don't, I, don't I, I just kind of avoid them lately. Yeah. So this girl's walking out. She's fully dressed. It's snowing and she's fully dressed and she sees me and she goes, Oh my God. I'm such a fan. What What are you doing here? And I said, I just had a show. I met and the owner, the manager's there. I met him. She goes, oh, if I had known you were coming over here, I wouldn't have cut early. I would have stayed. I would love to have given you a dance. And I said, actually, the dance I'm looking for is for someone fully dressed. And she's like, huh? I said, no, let's do, let's do a lap dance. But I want to see you go from, she's in a snow coat, a hat, gloves. She's getting ready to go out in the weather. And I go, let's get a lap dance like that. And she goes, okay. Because I've always had a bit about trying to connect to the reality of sex. And as opposed to, you go to a strip club, they're half naked. She got so uncomfortable. She like had to sit down to take her boots off. And it was the funniest fucking lap dance of my life. The irony of you complaining about people having too many clothes off. I know. I've literally seen your asshole multiple 
multiple times, mate. Yeah. And I've only just met you, but I watched this, uh, the Coven uh, series. Yeah. The amount that your ass is out is crazy. Um, but also, when we're on the topic of strip clubs, yeah. they do vary. Like, I've been to some good ones. I've been to some horrendous ones. Oh, uh, yeah. Really depressing you wipe your feet on the way out like you're like why did I even bother with this this is like, I'm actually feeling sorry for these women here yeah yeah so I've I've, 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 uh, I've, I've run the gamut I, 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 I lately have gone way more than ever because we've been on the road in Europe yeah so we went in uh, is your wife cool with that though? yeah she didn't give a shit yeah. I mean but I'm not doing anything yeah. you know like yeah but you know how some women can get real pissy about. some women do my wife doesn't my wife I mean, look, my wife knows where I'm going to land every day. I, no, I don't think anyone has any illusions of me. I mean, look at me. Do you think anyone's fucking... Hey, bro, you're, you're a high-value man. You got, you, you're doing well. People love you. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm, my, my wife knows me very well. I have intimacy issues. I have, uh, I have a lot of issues, and my wife knows. I'm, I'm terrified of disease. Like, so, I think if I cheated on my wife, my wife's first way, words would be, no fucking way. Really? Oh yeah. There's no way she'd believe it. She'd be like, "No fucking way." Mate, you're so open about your relationship with her. It's great. Like, it makes me feel like I know you so well. Yeah. Like, and that's part of the thing about you. People, we f we love you because we feel oh, like there's nothing you. we don't know about you. Well, it it can be problematic because I I share I overshare yeah everything. I I but I don't know. I don't know the boundaries. I just don't have them. You know, I was t like. There's secrets Tom won't tell me because he knows I'll just tell it. Like yeah. I'll just tell it. I don't have, I don't yeah. have a filter. But and but not like I don't know. There's I I wish I could dial it back. There's times that like I remember when I shared Isla's my youngest daughter's uh, period story on Conan and I didn't run it by her. Oh. And, yeah, and I was like, and then I got home and I was like, <laughs> fuck, is that a was that? Does he think that's gonna upset her? And Leanne's like, you didn't ask her. And I was Dude. like, no. I go, it's a great fucking story though. And she's like, you might want to tell her. And so I told her, I said, hey, you know, the period party thing? And she was like, yeah, I go, I, t I told her on Conan, it killed. She was like, what do you mean you told her on, what's Conan? And I go, <laughs> I go, you remember the big redheaded guy you met at Comic-Con? She's like, yeah. I go, that guy? I go, it's going to be on TV tonight. You should watch it. It's, wow. And she was like, it's on TV? Fuck. And she's in like fucking sixth grade. And so I played it. And at first, she was like, you could tell she was a little uneasy and then, and I was like, I'm like, I fucked up as a dad. I really fucked up. And I was, but it's a good story and it's got good heart. It's got, it's about a little girl having issues with going through that period of her life and then conquering it and, and, and taking ownership of it. I was thinking it. about this about you because it's a beautiful story and you come across as so wholesome in that. And it, you know, but equally, if I'm your family member, I'm worried about being content. Yeah, you know, like, because uh, when your wife came on the uh, cabin when she's ringing you, like at first you're like, oh, it's his wife. I get to say what his dynamic is like with her. But then, like about five minutes later, I'm like, I'm starting to remember all the stories that you've told about how she looks when she's sucking your dick. <laughs> and then I'm realizing, like, <clears throat> you've got in-laws. Oh, like yeah. you've got children. I thought about that last night. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's uh, the girls now are at an age where, like, my last special I just shot for Netflix, they mm -hmm. screened it. Like they were like, and there was one joke that I really loved, and I was like, "Pull it out." I was like, "For real?" She goes, "I can't be the like that. That's between me and you. It's not for the world." Ooh. And I was like, "Fuck, such a good joke. It's such a great fucking joke." Yeah. So I pulled it out, and then I offered her money for it first. <laughs> but really, it yeah. I was like, "How much?" I go, "Just out of curiosity, is there a price on it?" And she was like, "No." I was like, 
like twenty thousand dollars. She was like, "Dad, take it out." So I pulled it out. Um, uh, but it's, I mean, you got you got to at least ask, right? If the kids got a price, so you can't pay the kids a price. Um, but it, it, there's a disconnect, and when you're a comic, every I don't know. I I never thought about I never thought about the people I love telling stories about them on stage and then people seeing them from the outside and knowing them intimately without them. The Isla point was the first one that pointed that out to me. I said, you know, I talk about you a lot. This is at secret time. I said, I talk about you a lot uh, in the special. Are you okay with that? And she goes, we're in the pool. And she was must have been in like fifth grade. She goes, it's a little late for that, Dad. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, I just want to make sure you know you're okay. She goes, I'm fine. I know they're jokes and I know that it's all good and I know you love me. She goes, my only problem is I don't like people who don't know me knowing who I am. And I was like, oh, I never realized how valuable anonymity is. Like, especially when you're a kid. Mm. To not be the kid everyone's looking at going, that's her. That's the kid. That's her dad's Bert. You know? And But in LA, it's a little different because everyone's got that dad. Like, the, everyone, there's... There's 20 of them in her class, 20 dads that are like me that, you know, and there's 20 dads that got lit up for me too. There's 20 dads that got lit up for cancel culture. I mean, there's like, you know, it's really, it's, it's complicated. There's, you know, it's LA, it's fucked up, you know? What about like the wife and that? Cause the dynamic with her seems quite interesting. Like yeah. it must be like for her, I think, how does she, there's a joke that you make about her having an Elvis face when she has an orgasm. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that fucking <laughs> killed me. But then I see her on screen and I'm like, all I can think of is this Elvis idea. Um, <laughs> she does. <laughs> <laughs> are you guys old fashioned? You kind of come across as a bit old fashioned. Uh, yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. We're pretty meat and potatoes. Yeah. She's like she has she had rough t- uh, like a rough childhood, and so I think she fixed that in herself. And then when we met, was like, "Oh, I'm going to help you figure out the tools to fix it in you." But ultimately, all she really wanted was like, I think stability, and you know, and all I wanted was, you know, I just said this to someone the other day. I dated girls, especially like in New York and L.A., that uh, would look past you when they talk to you. All right. Yeah, you know, like they're just like seeing who else is in the room, like you know. And I never liked that. I always I wanted, social climbers. Yeah. yeah, and they and they were date, they weren't dating you for the right reason. My wife, when I dated her, all she cared about was talking to me, and like she didn't give a fuck if we went out, if we got pizza, if we watched a movie. She just wanted to be with me. Like the idea that that's it, man. Yeah, that's her eyes know. landed landed center on my eyes. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I could be. I remember thinking like. I could be with this chick for the rest of my life. Exactly. And then and then I fucked it up. I uh I got into a fight with one of her friends and we were an argument and and uh and I couldn't write my boat and I was still bothered by it. And then my wife's like, you know what, let's take a break. And then the second she said that I went, Oh, I fucked this up. I'm, i need that woman back. Like, that's the one for the rest of my life. She's like the good person. The good person that has no there's no flaws, there she's just good, good, good person. When someone's willing to give you 100% like that and also has your best interest at heart and you come across as a fucking lunatic sometimes. A lunatic. So you need that that good, she will always tell me the right thing, the true thing, the trustworthy person. Oh, and it hurts. It yeah. hurts a lot. Like, she's brutally honest with me. Oh, really? Like, brutally fucking honest. I mean, to a flaw, at times I think I want to I be like, I've said to her, you know, you don't have to tell me the truth. <laughs> Like you can just lie to me and just, and it'll, it'll, I won't know the difference. <laughs> Adversely, like I'll, I'll give you an example. I did a show at the Rose Bowl with Tom uh, and Jay Leno. It was a, when I was doing the outdoor, 
outdoor venues. Now, I had done so many of them at the time. During the pandemic, I was doing drive-in movie theaters. If you had never seen one, you'd have a hard time understanding if it was good or not. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, because everyone was out, it's outdoors. Everyone's <laughs> socially distanced or by their cars. Oh yeah. So the laughter isn't like a comedy club, yeah. but you could definitely, once you did enough of them, you were like that, that one delivered and people had a good time. They were getting out of the house. The, what you were offering people was so much more than just a comedy show. It was an idea, it was an idea that they got to get out, especially in LA and especially mm-hmm. all over the country. So we get, we get done the show. It's, it's huge. It's like fucking 3000 cars. It's fucking massive. Now, mind you, that's also like a quarter of a mile back, <laughs> okay? Everyone's in their cars. We get in the golf cart and drive around and do like a meet and greet, socially distanced meet and greet. It's just such fucking great. Jay Leno's there. <laughs> so we get in the car, and I said, uh, I'm like feeling good. I've created this thing. I've created this thing, this drive-in movie theater thing. Oh, yeah. It's doing great. We're, everyone's making money. I'm employing a, a group of 12 dudes. I got two bus drivers. I got a whole crew that's putting the... Everyone's got jobs. Every show, all anyone says to me is, hey, Bert, thanks for the work. Remember, this is the pandemic. Oh, it's fucking terrible. So many fucking... Yeah. I got merch people that are employed. I got security guards that are employed. Mm. Everyone's so grateful. Not to mention the fans who are getting to have a great moment outdoors, socially distanced and safe. I get in the car with Leanne. I go, what a night. She goes, sad excuse for a comedy show. <laughs> Whoa. I go, what the fuck is wrong with you? She goes, well, it's not a comedy show. It's not like a comedy show the way I know them. Yeah. It's like, it's different, but it's just not a comedy show. It's not like, like it's, and I'm, I go, hang on, stop. All, all, all you had to say was nothing. You could have just said nothing. You know when you're doing your best as well. Yeah. And her words mean more to you than anyone else's. I went home and I knew, I know she didn't mean to hurt my feelings. I knew it. And I just, and I was like, it's best if I don't talk because I know that I'm hurt and I know you didn't mean to do it. Yeah. And she was like, I, and she's like, I don't know why I said it. And I was like, cause that's how you felt. Yeah. That's how you felt. So you say what you feel. And I said, I appreciate it. I'm just saying like, it'll be better when you can get back in theaters and, and, and I mean, it's, it's great. No, it's great. And then she's like backpedals and oh, I go, yeah. no, I know what you said. And it, it's not, a, it's not, it's not the comedy show, you know. But it's something. It's something that's, that's it's it's a workaround. And, she, yeah. and then, and by the way, she's done it so many more times, so many more times, where she says the thing. But then, like when you when I did the movie and mm-hmm. she came to set and she watched me act and she goes, "You can really act." I'm like, oh, "I guess I can oh really, you can." I guess I can because she would definitely tell me. She would definitely fucking tell me. Yeah. And when I do my special, I just did, shot my special in Omaha. First show, I get off fucking. She was like, that wasn't good. And I'm like, no, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. She goes, I'm just saying, you got three more. You got to hit it out of the park. Do the second show. I murder her. She comes out. She goes, that was the show. And I'm like, okay. And then, and then I actually go to bed going, I got it. I got two more shows. I'm good. This is going to be great. I know that, I know that she'd tell me the truth. And I, I, you want that. It just hurts. Trust is the basis for all good relationships. And you guys have it, clearly. We we definitely have to, I mean, look, I know for a fact she would never, never, never cheat on me. Yeah. I mean, I say to her all the time, it's because it's, I don't know, I was never a guy for, my longest relationship was like five years. And I was like, can I, can you believe I still love you? Like, I can, isn't that crazy yeah. that I look at you and I still love you? Like, most guys don't. Like, most guys bail at this point. Uh-huh. But I go, I still fucking love you. Yeah. Or oh, they yeah. get bored and just stick it out because the alternative is loneliness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think for some guys, I've watched dudes bail, mm. and I think the I think 
Men get a lot of shit for bailing. Women seem like you go, girl. Yeah, don't. Yeah, you don't need him. You, yeah, but men get shit when they leave a, a, a relationship long term, right? My buddy's a my buddy's a divorced dad, and oh. he's killing it. He's killing it. Oh, is he? Oh, he's killing Loving it. Life. Hey, his fucking kids on the weekend. Yeah. And he just he's like he goes out. He does he goes to Vegas. He has yeah. a blast, and he's like, you know, man. And he's giving me advice. And I'm <laughs> like, listen, like, motherfucker. Best thing I ever did, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I'm a divorced dad, kind of, because I'm only on the I'm on the road so much. I'm home for the weekend, and yeah. now George is at college. So I and Leanne are like roommates. It's oh. fucking hilarious. I call up, and they're they are like two fucking roommates. Yeah. How old are they now? I was 16, George is 18. Okay, so yeah. they're, they're at that age now. Like, I want to talk to you about that. Um, I was, so I was watching, binge watching all of your stuff, obviously, knowing you were coming on. You were in the woods with Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. Wow. That was a weird watch. Like, I was, I was kind of, I could feel that it was weird. Yeah. It must have been weird on set for you. Uh, so... Uh, it wasn't totally weird. Here's okay. I'll tell you. I'm gonna. This you is know all what I'm saying? The, yeah. No. No. I'll tell you all the behind the scenes stuff. Uh-huh. So I call my dad that morning, and uh, and he's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Oh, we're getting ready to start shooting." Caitlyn Jenner's coming out, and he's like, oh, "Buddy, don't do it. Don't do it. Fucking pull the plug. Pull the goddamn plug." <laughs> because God, I'm telling you right now, this world is too fucked up. You're gonna say the wrong thing, and uh-huh. you're gonna get in trouble. You're gonna get canceled. You're gonna lose your house, lose your family, everything. You're gonna take it all away. He goes, and, and and then he goes, "You don't understand who you're talking to, by the way. Mm. Like you're talking to a goddamn hero." And I was like, what? And he was like, she's using the right pronouns. He's like, she was the decathlon champ. I mean, you don't understand. I sat with you when the Montreal Olympics in 72, I sat with you as a baby on my lap watching her, maybe it was the 74 Olympics, watching or whatever. He goes, I, he goes, I just quit track and field. I just focused on my life. I, was, I just got my law degree. I was trying to make my, something of my life. And I watched her. She's an American fucking hero. Cancel it. You don't want to, you'll fuck this up. Mm. So I was like, I'm not canceling it. She's on her way. So I hang up with my dad. Nikki Glazer shows up. Yeah. Uh, I'm in the, I think I'm in the middle of waxing my ass with Fortune. Fortune leaves. Nikki comes in. She pulls the thing. She's greeted by your butthole. Yeah. She's greeted by my butthole. And so, uh, could not be a better person to see my butthole. Fuck me, man. She gets such a, she has such a good sense of humor. And especially the all of me too shit's going on. And I got, I'm like, Nikki, do you consent? And so, uh, Mate, Caitlyn Jenner's walking up the stairs like 60 seconds later as this girl's waxing your asshole. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? This is mental. This is the best part. So like, Caitlyn shows up, Nikki shows up, and then we, we kind of stop down for a second. You know, everyone get mics on and whatnot. And Nikki pulls me aside and she goes, you didn't tell me Caitlyn Jenner was going to be here. And I was like, I didn't. And she was like, Bert, I went on Stern the day after the roast. They said she roasted Caitlyn. She goes, and there were like 20 jokes I had written that I submitted. And they said, you cannot tell these. If you tell them, Caitlyn will walk off. She goes, I went on Stern the next day and told all of them. She goes, this could be bad. And I'm like, motherfucker. So the whole time, I'm, wa- I'm watching Caitlyn and Nikki, like, waiting yeah. for Caitlyn to... And, but Caitlyn was cool as fucking shit. I almost killed her. I oh, took, yeah, with the axe. With the axe. You know what's so funny? That, for was, lack that was of, dumb as fuck, by the way. No shit. <laughs> Literally. For those who haven't seen it, you spun an axe towards the, the, the dartboard at the wrong angle, and it fucking bounced back over. It could have fucking taken your head off. Oh, it was... Uh, but then, my, then, but then we're all sitting there, and my dad fucking calls me, mm. and I'm like, "Oh!" 
and we have the, and I and like and I think that's the beauty of that show at least is and it's the beauty of podcasting also and I think the reason that show is successful and I think you'll see this is that it technically was just a podcast it yeah was technically yeah. just yeah. a podcast where you did shit yeah I mean it, I mean. And, and, and I mean, you literally shot at one point when Bobby Lee shoved the tube up your ass. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I shot, I shot, I shot all over the place. Yeah. But it's but my my when we casted it. So when we were looking to have people come out, yeah. they were looking for like big name celebrities, and I was like, I was like, oh, Bobby Lee's great. And they're like, oh, okay, Bobby Lee. And I was like, yeah, Bobby Lee and Donnell would be great. Nikki's great. Fortune's great. Miss Pat's awesome. And like I, Joey, Tom. Oh, I was like, all these guys, you don't have to cue them. All you have to do is say we're we're rolling, and then they'll just talk. Like uh, Joey Diaz, we have fucking possibly eight hours of gold. Of Tom and I were crying, laughing. By the end of that, we were cry- we were like, I'm dehydrated. I've been laughing so hard, yeah. and so that was the beauty of that show. Is you just let him go, and then and everyone talked. And then with my dad and Caitlin, we had this great moment where my dad started crying and, and said to Caitlin, "You don't understand. You're my hero, and you're an American hero. Thank you so much for everything." and it was really fucking insane. It was a great show. It's Caitlin, she's like you had a lovely little moment after that where you were like, I've never seen my dad like that before. And I think that you what really comes across about you and your dad's relationship is how different you are. Like you the guy was a lawyer, you're a comedian. Yeah. Like I God knows what he was thinking watching you on the come up thinking, This is my son, like this guy is nothing like me. It must have been a weird time. I think so my dad had a mentality, his mentality was eat shit, cash checks. Mm. That's his mentality. It's, you could be digging ditches. Remember that. Anything, uh, eat shit, cash checks. That was his motto. And, uh, I mean, gave me a great break-off speech when I was 26, and I moved to New York, and I thought I was making it. And on my birthday, uh, I was, like, fucking partying, and I wasn't doing stand-up. And, and he called me on my 26th birthday, and he was like, I was like, I was like, oh, he's just calling to say happy birthday. I'll just answer it. And he was like, I go, hello? And he goes, you are a tremendous piece of shit. <laughs> I was like, what? He goes, you're an embarrassment. I just perjured myself in court. The judge just said, how's your son doing? And I said, great. He goes, I've never lied in court. I just perjured myself in court. What I should have said is he has no humility or honor. He has no ability to get anything. He doesn't, he thinks he's better than everyone else, your honor. And like gave me this huge break off speech and then got me ultimately into stand up because of that, because he was like, you need to do whatever and you do what no one else will do. To get on stage. You tell him you'll mop up. You'll make burgers. You'll, you go to that club and do it. And I went and didn't work right away. The first night, the guy told me to go fuck myself. Called my dad and he goes, great. That's how life works. That's how life works. It's called adversity. And he goes, now you go back the next night, tonight. You go back again tonight and you tell him the same thing. And you're going to tell him that when he tells you to fuck yourself, you'll see him tomorrow night. And you're going to go every fucking night until he gives you an opportunity. And that's how life works. That's what a man who wants something does. And so I did it. And then the second night, the guy was like, are you being serious? I go, look, man, here's the deal. Yesterday was my birthday. My dad told me I didn't deserve a party. Like, <laughs> I was like, wow. I was like, this is, I'm, my dad hates me right now. And I, and I, I I'm going to be coming every fucking night because my dad told me to until you give me an opportunity. And the guy's like, all right, if you bring in 25 people by the end of the night, I'll let you go on last. And I was like, for real? And it worked. And then I got in stand up six months later, Will Smith discovered me and then, and, and, the rest is history. And my, now, now, my dad had taught me humility, uh, all these great things that like e shit cash check. So I started working for Travel Channel. I'd work the road. I never, like whenever they lowered our rates on the road, I'd accept it and I didn't fight it. I didn't have an ego about anything. 
I was like a good employee. I was like a like just like a fucking earner, you know. Mm-hmm. And I had a family. And then towards the end of my Travel Channel career, um, Rogan and Burr have pulled me aside and said, "Your TV show sucks. Like it's horrible. Like you're a much better comic than you are on this show. It's not who you are. You should quit that show. Focus on your podcast." focus on uh stand up. I remember them saying, "What's your nut? Like what do you got to make a year to like keep your family afloat?" And I told them and they're like, "Yeah, we can help you get that. Like we'll just get you we'll help you get ad sales. We'll help you we'll ha- we'll come on your podcast, we'll boost your numbers, and then we'll we'll get your numbers up, we'll get everyone to come on your podcast, we'll help you out, and then uh and then we'll get you that." And what then What is it like to have friends do that for you though? Like that's oh. that's so special. Like ain't no yeah. one done that for me. I've I've done that for other people, ironically, yeah. and they haven't been very good about it afterwards. You know yeah. what I mean? So, you know that's that's life changing. I remember it. them. I mean, Tom was. I mean, I say this in all seriousness. Tom was probably the most integral person in getting that done, mm. because whereas you know Bill and Joe would Joe would put me on his. I mean, I've been on Joe's podcast. I don't even know how many times, millions of times. Yeah, he put me on. If I had anything, he put me on, I remember doing it back to back days at times Yeah, and doing five and a half hours and him just glowing and saying nice things when I wasn't on there. Oh, I love his body, whatever. Tom was the most integral. Tom was very specific and he was like, we need to get you to 50,000 downloads per episode. If you can get a 50,000, then I get you $1,500 and I can set you up with an ad salesperson. And I, and then he introduced me to the ad salespeople who I'm still with to this day. And, and he's like, you gotta get to 50 and get like, keep it at 50. It's gotta be always at 50. And he gave me so much great advice and then got me there. And then once I got there, I, it just kept growing. I, I don't know if, I mean, I, I couldn't even, t- I, I would not be in this business without those mm. people more than that. Joey Diaz, Ari, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, Ari and I, t- I mean, I know everyone thinks Ari and I have past shit, you know. Well, for those who don't know, he did drug you. He drugged me in my backyard. But <laughs> yeah, my daughter, Isla was like, I was like, you need to. I watched that episode as it was happening. And I yeah. remember, because I'm like super fan of all you guys. And I was like, what the fuck are we watching here? Like this, it, it took like a turn that was way more serious than we'd ever seen before because it's like this wholesome group of mates. And then one of them was like, yeah, I, I drugged him with Molly uh, before a flight. It was a flight, right? Yeah. And this was when you're with your family. Yeah. And I remember looking at Tom Segura's face and he was looking at, like, he looked furious. Tom was pretty furious. Yeah. Tom was pretty furious. Because that shit can really do people in. Yeah. Know? Tom was furious. Joe was, Joe didn't really understand what was going on. Yeah. It wasn't until a couple days later that Joe was like, was like, wait, what the fuck happened? Like, wh- like he called me, because I went on the road. My serotonin was gone. Mm. So I'm like having panic attacks on the road. But, um, and then we, and then, you know, we, we figured it out. We're friends and we're, we figured it out. You How know? did you figure that out though? Cause that's like, <clears throat> I mean, like your wife and kids must've been like fucking. They hate him. Yeah, they hate him. My, Even my, now, yeah. Well, my, my daughter, I was, I remember maybe a year, two years after that, I'm sitting at dinner with my family, my my mom and dad and sisters, and my phone's like this, and I get a text from Ari, and I look at it, and my daughter Georgia grabs it and goes, absolutely not, and pulls my phone away. All right. She goes, you will not be texting him back, especially when I'm not here, when I'm here. And I was like, okay, Leanne hates him. Leanne will never forgive him. Um, Georgia and Isla, Isla said to me, you know, the other day, she goes, I think you really need to reassess your friendships at times, Dad. And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, your best friend just gave you Nazi memorabilia for your birthday. 
and then your other friend drugged you in our backyard. She goes, Dad, <laughs> like if there if I had friends like that, what would you say? And I was like, it's it's complicated, Isla. It's complicated. But the truth is, is that Ari is a really special person to me, and he always has been. And he is someone, like I said, like when you look at like Tom, him, Joe, all my friends. I, I, I wouldn't be where I am because I, there's like so much shit that I, that's in the weeds that I can't even that you'll never even like Tom especially and I have to say this because like I remember telling Tom I was sold out helium in Philly and he was like he was like how much your ticket prices and I said 20 and he goes you got to bump it up to 35 and I was like what and he's like trust me get it up to 35 and then once you can sell that at 35 Bert it's all fucking skating from there and I went and I remember, I just was like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I've been doing this longer than him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And then I got up to 35, and Tom's like, just so you know, you don't have to be in that club anymore. You can go do the truck. And he goes, it's 600 seats, and you'll fill out the whole weekend at the mm. truck. Next time I went to Philly, I did the truck. I did, I think I did six shows. And I was like, how did you know that? And he's like, because he'd already been there. Joe's already been there. Bill has already been there. They've already walked once you see once you've been through that path in the woods it's super easy to shout from the woods and go over here <laughs> they seem to give you the confidence and when i watch you talk interact with them you seem less sure of yourself yeah. than what they are yeah you seem a little more um i don't know i, I think it's fair to say mentally you seem a little younger than them You're I, I always feel younger than yeah wide eyed childlike yeah. yeah and they're like come on let, let, let's do this well you gotta remember i didn't get success until i was like 44 45 mm. Like, I mean, Bill, I mean, you, I, I won't, uh, Bill's a bad example, but like Joe, Joe's been successful his whole fucking career. Yeah. He's been successful since he was like 27. Yeah. Tom has been successful at a way younger age than me. So like, so like I kind of, you know, I was a great, I'm, I'm not that way on stage, but as a man, as like, I, I, I look up to my friends. I, I surround myself with dudes better than me. I, I think that's like a, I don't, I don't know if I, it's because I'm. I'm insecure or whatever, but I don't really hang out with people that aren't better than me. Like yeah. I, 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 I fuck with dudes that do it at the next level. And so I lo- always look up to them. Louis CK, I'm, I mean, Louis is a friend of mine. We text back and forth, but like, I definitely look up to Louis. I really look up to Louis. And like, and even Big J Okerson, I look up to Big J. I look, Louis, Louis J Gomez. Yeah. Louis J Gomez is doing amazing things with Legion of Skanks. And I'll, I, I've never been the guy tell you let me tell you how it works because i don't know how it works i like being around guys and then going like so we, what do you think yeah like i love that i love that. i texted joe i was texting with joe last night about fucking pierce morgan because mm. i was like i don't know i don't know anything about pierce morgan i mean he's a cunt yeah <laughs> so there's um but uh rogan watching yeah. like they're successful what he was and then they're successful where he is now what was it like as his friend watching him become the center of attention in America where all of a sudden people are really threatened by what he's become, like the, the, yeah. the king of the dudes? Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very full suitcase of a question mm. in that I... Because so, he was getting canceled weekly. Probably. Yeah, it's so funny. One of his cancels, one of the times he was getting canceled pretty hard, uh-huh. he called me. And I, and uh, this is the kind of guy Joe is. And I complained to him about something going on in my life. <laughs> That's so you, by the way. Honestly. So, and then halfway through, I was like, oh, shit, man. How are you doing? And he goes, he, he seems so like he he's 
man, I don't know. He's a different. He's a different dude. He never seems phased by what is going on. Not at all. Because he is the most curious human being I've ever met in my entire life. He is genuinely the most curious man I've ever person uh-huh. I've ever met. Um, he is the best friend you could ever ask for. I mean, to the point where it's like you you can't say things you want around him because it'll show up at your fucking house. Oh, okay. Like that. Like. Legit, uh-huh. you just you, you learn that, and then there's dudes that see it, and then they ask for it, and you're like, oh fuck those guys. Joe's the, but that's who Joe is. He's generous. I don't. I, I I remember one time I was at Madison Square Garden, and he was in Madison Square Garden. He was doing the UFC, and I was doing. They have a like a five thousand seat theater there, mm-hmm. and so I was doing the theater two shows, and uh, <laughs> and Joe's in the fucking arena, and I wanted to go watch the fights, so I text Joe, and I was like. Hey man, I don't like. Are you here? Because I'm here. I'm at the thing, and he's like, "Dude, fuck yeah, let me know." And immediately, I was like, oh, "I'm I'm gonna buy tickets right now." Because I'm not because I know Joe, will, who's getting ready for work, will fucking be like, "Let me get you tickets." Hang on, we gotta get bird tickets. And so I fucking real quick, I was like, "Someone buy us ten tickets. Just buy them right now, so that when he texts back, I can tell him I already have them." And he was like, "What do you need?" And I was like, "Got them. I already got them." And he was like, oh, tell me if you need any more. And I was like, I'm good. Thank you, brother. Like, immediately, that's who he is. You know, when you talk about being curious, I think that that's what makes him such a great podcaster. Because if you look at him five years ago, he's a different person because he's absorbing information at a rate that's like, remember that Batman movie where the Riddler's absorbing all the knowledge? Like, he's like that in podcasts. Like, he just takes so much on board. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it. I listened to him and Jordan Peterson the other day. And I'm just like, yeah. I'll never have Jordan Peterson on my podcast. I don't know what the fuck to say to that guy. <laughs> I've had him on, and yeah. it's like, you have to pin him down sometimes. Like, he is like, all over. Yeah, yeah. I, but I was like, I, Joe is, he is just an amazing guy. What's interesting, the interesting thing about Joe is I remember watching his podcast blow up and watching it in his amazement. Because I don't think he saw it happening. Mm-hmm. So remember, we were there We were there when it was Fleshlights. Oh like, yeah, I remember yeah, we were all that. there in, when, at his house. I remember yeah. his kids would be running around. His wife would be chasing his kids. Yeah, you'd be fucking. You'd go to the back, back yeah. backyard and smoke a joint. Go into his office. His phone, landline would ring. He had phones in his house. Yeah, and then he'd be like, grab a flashlight. Then you'd leave, and, and it was like, I remember watching him going like, he's like, hey man, are you getting hit up online a lot? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, what is? Where's your Instagram or your your Twitter going? And I was like, yeah, it's blowing up. And he was like, yeah, man, a lot of people listen to that episode. Like, really, like, I remember watching him say it like, hey, did your book do well? And I'm like, yeah, why? He goes, you're, I mean, are you selling tickets? Because, like, when I, when I have you on, you're not, like, these numbers are, like, crazy. And yeah. then he would, like, I could, you'd see it in his eyes. I won't say, I won't, I won't say real numbers, but he'd be like, that episode got 10 million listens. And you're like, what the fuck? I remember him talking about ad reads, and he was like, telling me his number per ad read and i was like when you when you talk for one minute that's what you get yeah. and he was like i know right like but you could watch the amazement <laughs> in his eyes i was with them the other day uh and we were in we were in texas getting stem cells and uh with my parents oddly enough uh-huh. and so we get in his car and his truck and i go uh i go hey man what's the difference between like 10 million and like 350 million and he looks up and he goes, I don't worry much. <laughs> he doesn't seem motivated by that. I don't worry at all. I think that's why he's the perfect king. Yeah. Because he doesn't really want to be that. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and he's a reluctant. Like, he's not the flashy guy. Like, he's got Conor McGregor money, but you would never know it. You'd never know. He doesn't. No. He's not a flashy guy. He wears the same fucking <laughs> yeah. same shirts that he gets for free from fucking from yeah. people. Say he's in. He's this. He is the regular guy. He texts yeah. you back immediately if you call. He answers. Um, he's not. Do you, he's, think, do you think he's worried about people though, trying now? Now that he's become the no, like everyone knows what he is now, he must have to keep people at arm's length who are trying to be those, you know, leeches. He has the best radar for that. Yeah, he has the. He has such good radar yeah. that he'll tell you, "Hey, just a heads up, you got a vampire on your left," mm. and you're like, "For real?" And he's like, "Big time." You need to get the fuck away from that guy. You need to get the fuck away from him right now. And he'll, he's so good at recognizing. I mean, he's done it. He's done it so many times where I'm like, I remember this. I don't, I want to get, cause the guy will know when we're talking about him. But like, I remember one guy was just coming up and was like, Hey man, Hey Joe, it's good to see you. And Joe's like, I'm talking to Bert. <laughs> All like, right. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. It's, uh, it's like, Hey man, we should podcast sometimes. He's like, Hey man, I'm talking to Bert. And the guy's like, all right, I'll give you a call. And Joe, I remember Joe looking at me, he goes, you don't have my number. And he goes, well, give it to me. He goes, I'm not giving you my number. Leave me alone. And I was like, what? And he was like, this guy's a fucking... And you're like... And I remember watching this wow. and going like... <laughs> I, I get that impression as well. Like, uh, I mean, he's the absolute inspiration for me the whole time. Like, He's the inspiration for all of yeah. us. I mean, he's... Dude, there's so many things. He's, he's such... He's such a, like a channel marker on so many things on, on longevity on wellness on on mm. I mean on just the, his work ethic the way he he ri- drives his own pirate ship he does his own things mm. I mean, you look at his business model and I, I try to say this to my my team all the time this business model is him and Jamie Amazing. that's it it's yeah. him and Jamie and then a couple other guys that are, you know help out and then mm-hmm. he's got some security guys with him but pretty much he's streamlined he's been with the same manager for his entire career his his team that he works internally with are all, I mean, all amazing human beings, yeah. and so he kind of keeps it very insular, and and he's an inspiration for everyone. You know, you look at like Tom when you go to Tom. Tom's got like twenty five employees, twenty seven employees. He's you know he's got a big fucking studio, and 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 but that's the way Tom lives his life. Tom's a little more like throw money at it. Let's see how big it'll get. Let's see how big it'll get. Joe's really like whittle it down to what it is. Me talking to one another person. How do we get that out to as many people? And like Tom's like, I want to build a, I want to build a brand. I want to build, I mean, Tom's a great business partner. Trust me when I say that a great business partner, because tonight we have, we have a conference call about, about fucking two bears racing. Cause I, we know I bought him a race car and we've been (laughs) trying to build this race team, but he's been on the road and now he's getting time off and now we're building a race team. Wow. And, and, and t- but Tom's the guy that goes, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get this. Let's do this thing. Yeah. We'll build it there. We'll meet our contacts. We'll take meetings. We'll- Tom, that's how Tom's brain works. I do feel like Tom's moving in a, a really forward thinking direction with his studio and yeah. like how you've got multiple podcasts on a network. And I like the way he's thinking. And I wish I had out. thought that way. Yeah. I wish I'd like when we started Two Bears, I wish I was like, let's start our own YouTube channel. But, mm. you know, it's, it's his, it's in all honesty, I I wouldn't have the wherewithal to to do what we did what he did with two with two bears. I mean, mm. you know, granted we're partners, but I, I'm more. I would say Tom would say this is I'm more of a kind of shoot shoot throw rocks at the moon creative partner. Mm. 
and he's more of a let's stay grounded in reality and get shit done partner. So like I would have never been able to build two bears the way we've built it without him with. And I don't think I don't think I could done what he's done. What do you like with money generally? I'm fucking cheap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I get. I, I don't I don't I have a problem spending money like I, I just have a problem because I, I just feel like it's better to have it and save it and I don't need nice things so like I don't I know I have a I know I have a nice car but I don't know exactly what car I have <laughs> and I know people have told me what it is it's like the bigger Mercedes okay but I just Tom hit me up with his car guy and I, I forget his name right now but he's a nice guy uh-huh. and he's like what do you want tell him what you want and I was like I, I don't even know what I want like send me some options Guy sent me a couple options and I liked one. I liked white and I liked the interior. That's all mm-hmm. I knew. I liked that it's a chocolate interior. I thought it would be, I feel like cool, like a cool <laughs> older man. I like that. And so uh, I got it. But someone's always like, what car do you have? I remember Bernie Shop was like, what kind of Mercedes do you have? I was like, I have no fucking idea. Um, I don't, like my wife doesn't have a problem spending money. You know, funny old thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She just bought this house to build this podcast studio and she is building it out so it oh, looks wow. amazing. All I see is a fucking money hemorrhaging out. Yeah. That's all I see. That's all I fucking You're a see. hard worker, though. That's one thing you definitely got from your father. Yeah, hard worker. Very hard I mean, like, I just work as much as I can. Cause mm. I, I mean, I, it's like I remember when people didn't want me to work. Like, no one gave a fuck. Yeah, because getting successful at 44, you said? 44. 44 yeah. I, so six years ago, I, I posted the machine story on on, on uh Facebook, yeah, and uh, yeah, so 44, 44, 43. Yeah, 44 is when I started selling tickets. And does that make you feel like you haven't, like, you have to maximize it and just oh. work your balls off now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I always feel like it's going away. Mm. Like, I just looked at my ticket sales for, uh, I, I like, I'm, I'm weird. I won't open bills and stuff. Like, I don't look at bills, I don't look at fucking mail. Mm. I like, I don't open emails. I'm I bad with that. emails, yeah. And so I get tickets. It's like getting infected with it. You can't be funny when that you're stressed. I agree. Yeah. 100%. People, I, I try to explain this to people around me. I'm like, I, I need you to just do this. Yeah. Because if I start getting clogged up with that, I ain't going to be able to be the best me on camera. Yeah. yeah. I, and I, I operate, I'm a, I'm a very like <clears throat> soft spirit. Mm. And so... Um, you are my I'm very like soft. That. I'm very soft, and so very. I mean, if I had a nickel for every time Tom tried to talk me off a ledge of getting my feelings hurt by people, you'd be. But that's what makes you like lovable. <laughs> like that, that's what I like about you. You come across as the softest, friendliest guy in that group, and I think that that's what people. You know, like we we have a, an idea of what you guys are like off camera, and that's how you come across. Oh well, thank you. Yeah. I hope that's good. The. Uh, I get. I was saying I get ticket sales. Ticket sales every day. They send them to me, and I never look at them. Mm. I never look at them. They always. They're always okay. But like, I never want to know. Like, I never want to stress. And so, like, I, I start my tour, my American tour, this Thursday, in or Wednesday in Williamsport. Mm. And so I was like, "Fuck!" I was like, "I got to look at ticket sales." I'm doing the Boston Garden or TD Gardens ah. in Boston. And I'm like, Whoa. "I'm like, what? Let's take a look at that." See how many tickets I got to sell still. I got to do Banger Main. I'm doing an arena there. I'm doing all arenas this this next 2023. And then I'll look and I was like, oh, I'm sold out. I sold out the garden. Okay, cool. And then I was like, oh, I sold out Banger. Oh, I sold out Hershey. Oh, I, I got 
I had a second show in Williamsport. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then I'm like, oh, I'm almost sold out in Tampa. I'm almost sold out in Orlando. And then I'm like, oh, I have nothing to worry about. Okay, I can start looking at these ticket sales now. Yeah. But like, that's how my brain works. I always think my career is about to end. Um, I'm the same. I, I think uh, for me, it comes from having money worries as a younger person. Yeah. I was so used to just stressing and worrying about money that I always think it's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you kind of have to train yourself out of that. But I know you, like I have, I've had depression issues in the past. You've talked about anxiety, Darn. OCD. Yeah. Um, what what is it that makes you have that? Do you think in you? Like, is there I don't early know. years? Or? Well, they say they say it's they say it comes from something from mm. trauma or something. Mm. I was always afraid of tornadoes as a kid. <laughs> like, I was really, the weather freaked me out. Yeah, because I grew up in Florida, and so like thunderstorms, lightning. I mean, I was I I have such a real fear of lightning. You have no idea. Like, I shut down. Really? If oh, if I can't be outside. I can't be outside. I, I, I wouldn't say most kids in Florida are like that, but like I can't be outside in yeah. lightning at all. Um, I can't be around like and in New York. If there's lightning and I'm in a building, I'm terrified because I know I'm right there. Like I, I and you're not in control. I, uh, uh, that's why I also don't like flying. Yeah, but yeah, my anxiety, <clears throat> my anxiety has gotten uh, better. I think it was really bad when I was a kid, and I didn't even know I had it. Mm. Um, do you think that was what sparked all the partying and drinking and stuff? Well, I didn't start drinking really until I was 22. Like, I mean, I drank a little bit. I, I mean, we partied as kids, you know, like uh-huh. beers, but I really focused on baseball. So I never really like partied much. And then uh, and then at, at 22 when I went to Russia, uh, that's when I was, and this sounds, I mean, it sounds staged a little bit, but like when I met the mafia and I started partying with those guys, mm. that's when I was like, I would just drink with them. And I was, I could make everyone laugh and we had, we had a language barrier and I was like, oh yeah. And then when I came back from Russia, I remember thinking, all right, I'm going to slow it down. Cause I partied all through Europe. I didn't have any money on, I, I would get, I would just party and I, we just, and I was like the life of the party. And I was like, this is when I'm realizing, oh, maybe I should do comedy. Like I'm, I'm pretty funny. And then I come home and my chick that I was, uh, dating, um, cheated on me with my best friend and it fucked and i remember Fuck. i remember that's when i leaned into drinking and i was like i was I like, mean, that'll do it yeah and i was like i was dating her for five years and then then all of a sudden and everyone knew so like all of a sudden i'm this like town cuck you know like everyone <laughs> knew because i was in russia and they were like dating in tallahassee and so it fucked me up and i started partying to kind of like almost like so i was afraid people were looking at me like going like I feel so bad for that guy. Oh, so if you look like you're having the best time, no one's going to look at you that way. Yeah, I think. And 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 I and then I, me- I remember being like dating, not not having sex with, but dating really hot women, like hooking up with them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have. I remember I, there was this absolutely beautiful chick, and uh, I spent the night at her house. We didn't have sex. She woke up naked the next day like we fooled around but we didn't have sex naked the next day. she got out of bed and she was perfect this is how fucked up my brain is and i said i need to get away from her because she's perfect and she doesn't want to she i don't want to ruin her with something broken like me oh wow and i was like i'm just fucking broken like she, i remember thinking her body's perfect i want to let her have her great life i remember thinking that and then Never calling her That's again. That's so unusual for a young man to say that, though, right? Because, like, normally, you know, I mean, you even said when your wife met you, she was tr- trying to help fix you. Yeah. Um, oh, when, when Leanne got to me, uh, she was like, she, first thing she said is, you're misogynistic. You need to know that. 
I was like, no. And she goes, no, you are. And we're going to fix that. Don't worry. Don't worry. You have two strong sisters, a great mom, and me. What, what would make, there's something, and it was being cheated on. I just didn't trust women. I didn't trust them. I didn't like them. I just thought they're all, I remember telling, I mean, Leanne will tell you this too, but, and I've said it before, but I didn't want to go out with Leanne. I didn't want to go on a date with Leanne because I thought she was a whore. And she's like, why? You don't even know me. And I said, no, but why would you want to date me? Like, if you want to date me, you must. I, I mean, I had. That's I, where your self-esteem was. Oh, my. I was like, all women just want to sleep with men and they don't care about feelings. Because I was like, I was always wanting to fall in love. Like, I mean, I just, I'd go to bars and I just want to, I'd be like, I hope someone understands me. Like, I hope someone gets me. Wow. <laughs> I hope someone's like, I hope someone says to me, do you want to just go back to your house and watch Fletch and get a pizza? And I'd be like, yes. <laughs> and so I think a lot of people have these thoughts, though, but they don't, they don't say it like you're saying it right now. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I know. I know I definitely had them. And, uh, and I, and I. I mean, I was like, I and, and Leanne put all the people. I mean, I, I remember when I went to New York, I moved to New York, and I was I dated a chick in Tallahassee, and we broke up, and I had a hard time not calling her. I didn't have a cell phone at the time, but I had a landline. I was living in New York. I was about to get a cell phone, but I did not have it yet. And I remember I no one had my number but her and my parents. And I, I remember unplugging my phone and going I'm going to take this band-aid off the hard way I'm going to get over this chick and then I'm going to fix myself so that I believe I can deserve a chick like because I'm going to I'm going to be single but I remember thinking the only way I deserve a chick is if I have money and I have success and career so I just stayed away I mean it's why it's the only reason I've, I haven't had sex with a lot of people is because I literally had what two three girlfriends my entire life and then I stayed away from women just goes focus on my career focus on my career focus on my career focus on my career and then and then a couple more and then I met Leanne that's really healthy though not enough men do that like a lot a lot oh. of bum men out there just try and latch on to a woman and hope that they carry them or like they don't realize like you have to be proud of who you are before a woman's going to value you at I, all I would say things to myself like and this is so fucked up I would say to myself uh, right before I met Leanne I said I wouldn't date the woman that would date me right now I didn't like me and I was like, I'm overweight. I I don't have my shit together. I said, I want to get myself so that so that all the fucking numbers are up. Mm-hmm. Like I that I look good. I remember going, I still have my hair, my teeth are okay. Like I just need to lose some weight. I have some money. Mm-hmm. I have some money. Like just get all these things up. Get all these things up. And then and be healthy. And like and I got all the things up. I and mean, you can find the picture of me when I met Leanne. I'm it, type in skinny Bert. I'm like, I look good. I'm going. I have. I have a great house. I have a great car. Yeah. I'm working. I'm doing stand up. <clears throat> my teeth are in my mouth. My hair is still in. I mean, all this is working for me. Mm. And then I met Leanne, and I was like, I remember I was like, I met her at like, like I'm talking fight day weight, like right. just fucking ready Pride. to go. I've been eating clean for 13 weeks, like, and so. But I remember thinking that like I want to, I want to get to there so I can find the girl forever. And then I'll, I'm like, I'm good. I'm, I'm, good. I'm out. What were you looking for in women like, <clears throat> when you were in those young years? Like, like that girl who Not cheated Leanne. on you. Not Leanne. I was looking for, I was looking for blonde, a big tits, tan. I mean, it was all, it was all exterior stuff. Really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Any personality traits? Well, I didn't know they had them. Literally, I didn't know why. why for what? Yeah. what? Were they going to talk to me? I don't know. I was a fucking idiot. I was like, I want them to look good. I want them to. 
uh, I want to be attractive, sexually attractive. My dad cheated on my mom uh, when I was in college, and I remember thinking uh, it maybe it's because she gained weight. Like that's why she did it. So I was like, I was like, so I don't. I want to make sure that I'm physically attracted to the person. He said that. No, I I, I thought it. Oh, really? I thought it. Yeah, and I was like. I'm gonna. I want to be really physically attracted to the person. That way, you'll never cheat on them. I didn't realize that there were other facets of a relationship that would. I mean, if Leanne was here, she could light me up so fucking hard, so fucking hard of horrible things I would say to her at times. Really? Like, oh my god! I remember we were taking a hike one time, and I saw a couple walking down, and the girl was overweight, and the guy was skinny, and he was in great shape. And I said, "Just giving you a heads up. If you ever get fat, I'll cheat on you." <laughs> and she was like what the fuck did you just say? And I was like, just give me your heads up. That's how it works. And she was like, all right, just so you know, you're fatter than I am. <laughs> I was like, I'm just giving you a heads up. And so like, that's the way my brain, my brain worked. And, and I think Leanne had to get, get me out of it and get me out of my own way of like old stereotypes, old tropes of, of what I thought relationships were. I thought everything was physical. I didn't understand about like, I didn't understand a lot of things. I, I wanted the hottest chick in the room. I wanted perfect body. If I saw flaws, I would fucking fall apart. Really? Yeah. Uh, so so I mean, you were real shallow. Very shallow. But I just very shallow. But young men are. You know what I mean? Like all, all young men are. Yeah. Do, you think, do you think in a relationship there's a responsibility to sort of maintain your physical in the long term? Because now you're in your, like, you're, were you 50 now? You just turned, I just turned 50, yeah. Yeah, congrats. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're in, like... You're in decent shape for what everyone says. Like you, yeah. you have a bit of I a benched joke. Two two sixty five yesterday. Really? Yeah, bench two sixty five. Yeah, I see you work out. So yeah. yeah, you you look after yourself. Do you think that that's helped, like the, to oh. maintain the relationship? So f- yes, and but I don't think it matters. This is gonna be crazy because Leanne lost a ton of weight, and I didn't like what she looked like skinny. Oh yeah, you said that. I, yeah. I heard you say you kind of preferred a thick, a little bit, and I'm never. That's not who I am, and, okay. and ever, ever, ever been, ever been. But I remember saying to her, I liked her with a little bit of weight on her. It just was her body was better. Like it was just like I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. So, but I do like her working out. She works out every day, roughly, with a trainer. Her and her best friend Sandy do, and. The what I love about that is number one, I work out and lift weights so that I don't age and I can get out of chairs at seventy. That's why I'm doing it. Really, honestly, I don't give a fuck about. I mean, like I like lifting weights. Uh-huh. I enjoy lifting weights, but I'm doing it so that I can stay healthy as I get older, um, and and, st- and avoid injury. I think that's all ultimately why I'm doing it. But for me it writes my boat mentally. And I think it writes my Leanne's boat mentally. And I think it makes you a happier person. Yeah. I mean, I said, when I did the machine, uh, I ran four miles every morning. Every morning I ran four miles through this park called Hyde Park in Serbia. Every, it was right by Tito's house. Every day. And every day I didn't want to do it. Every day I was hungover and I was like, this isn't, I just want to sleep. But if I got up and had a couple coffees and I'd, I'd walk up the hill to get to the top of the hill. And then when I got to the top of the hill, if I jogged down, I could run four miles and it was all roughly downhill. I know that sounds crazy, but the way that park's set up, it's like tilted this way. Uh-huh. So your uphill's very short. So you'd sprint your uphills, but then you had a soft jog. And then every morning I'd get in the car and get ready to go to work and go, I feel fucking amazing to think I woke up at like a six and to know that I'm at a 10 right now. That's 
and that happens to me every time. I, I never want to work out. I never want to work out. But the second I work out, I feel fucking amazing when I'm done. You mentioned the machine. Yeah. I've seen the trailer. Yeah. Loved it. Thank you. And it is the perfect way to carry on that story. <laughs> um, you, you were really good in what I see. And obviously, we've oh. seen the trailer. You were natural. Uh, what was it like to take that story on all those years later? Uh, it was... It was, it was, there was so many levels of it. Very emotional, oddly enough. Um, because, you know, it's a story I've told on stage now for probably 10 years. Mm. And, uh, and I'm known for. Mm. And the day we started filming was the same day I flew to Russia. And the same day I started Florida State. Like, the, the, I, my freshman year of Florida State was on that same day. And then the day I, moved, I flew to Russia mm. was on that same day. All these things happened in that same period. And I was like, oh, this is a good week for me. And so, um, I mean, I would, I would find myself getting emotional. I, I loved the process. I loved all of it. I had so much fun doing it. Never thought I ever wanted to act in my entire life, ever. And I was vocal about that. Don't send me out for auditions. I don't want to be in movies. I don't give a fuck. And then I, I came back and I was like, I want to do everything. I want to do it all. I want to work with Jonah Hill. You're really good. Oh, th- well, yeah. thank you. But um, I loved it. I loved the process. It was very emotional because it, it is a true story. And so, I mean, there's a scene where there's a scene where I'm acting with another person who's a was a real person in my life, and uh, and the, such a good actor, I just start crying. And they're like, oh, great emotion. And I was like, this is very fucking real. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm, I remember Mark Hamill and I have a moment. He's I, your dad. And he it, plays right? my dad. Yeah. Fuck me. We have a moment where he's telling me he's proud of me. And I just start bawling, crying. And everyone's like, the close up was on Mark. Bert, I appreciate you being committed to the bit, but you, we need you to do that again. And I was like, don't worry. <laughs> you, there's a moment. I mean, there, I like, I don't want to give too much of the movie away, but there's a moment where I talk about being a dad and being the machine and be and losing myself in like a really very real moment a real moment and i had to do this scene probably like i don't know maybe 10 12 times and i cried genuinely every time an authentic set of tears that were i mean and it was like the coolest fucking scene but it was like it, and so like there's it's it's such a great movie because there's so many different levels to it. Uh-huh. It's it's funny as fucking shit, but it's emotional and it's a thriller and it's a fucking mystery. It's like yeah. there's so many. It's like the coolest fucking movie. I, I that Peter Atencio's did an, an amazing job. The people at Legendary are fucking amazing, and I'm in, I'm in love with everyone at Sony for distributing it. So when when I watch you, like you talk about uh, OCD and stuff like that, and I think yeah. like how do you on a on a bad day go out and give people that burr? Oh, so it it's interesting. Uh, I had I, I I can't remember what was the day that I was like really sick, and I was we were on we were just here we were just on tour. We were maybe like Stockholm or yeah. maybe Greece, maybe Berlin. I forget where it was, but I was really genuine. It was Berlin. Mm. I was genuinely sick. I'd been sick. Then I got food poisoned the night before, and I was on the plane, and I couldn't drink on the plane. I was just felt like shit, had anxiety, mm. get to the hotel, have a little bit of a nap, but I still feel like shit. Go to the club. I'm like, oh, the second I get on stage, I am physically 100%. I feel no sickness. I start drinking beers and it went away immediately. I mean, I can, I, I am, it, 
I don't I don't spend time in comments, right? Like cuz because I it'll 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 fuck me up. So I hired a team. I hired a team to they post everything for me. I shoot all the my own content and I'll mess around like I'll post some stuff on Twitter that's fun, mm-hmm. but like I, I I set it up on my phone so that I can't read Twitter. So I've made the print so small that I can't read it. So that way I don't read comments, but I'll send stuff like like fun stuff like top five comedy movies because I like stuff like I like interactive stuff like that. Um, but like I I remember one time this was years ago I, I got a comment that was like the guy fucking nailed me and I was like and it fucked me up and I was like I was stuck in this place for like a day and then Leanne comes back and she was like are you still thinking about that fucking person isn't thinking about you. They left that comment and walked away, and now you're sitting with it? I was like, yeah, I know. She was like, honey, you need to go get on stage. I went to the store, got on stage, gone forever. Like, And it's and it's crazy. My anxiety disappears when I go on stage and when I do a podcast or when I put on my Instagram stories. Like when I, the second I'm on camera, everything kind of fades away, and I'm like, and I, I'm a little more genuine to who I am. Isn't it mad how comedians especially are like that more? Like you took a look at Robin Williams and people like that who had all this shit going on in their darkness, but then you would never have known. I had, uh, so we went, my first open water dive was at 90 feet. Um, I used to be a diver. Oh, for real? Yeah, my job before this. Oh, what were you like doing? Like, um, uh, deep sea diving. Like doing welding and stuff? Yeah, yeah. That's With the helmet and everything? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fucking yeah, I got intense. one of the helmets over there behind the camera, yeah. Oh, I uh, couldn't do that. Cool. I couldn't do that. I, uh, so our first open water dive, we do we did, we did a couple of uh, open water dives, like but there were more training lessons at a shallower mm. depth, and then our first like legit dive is at ninety feet, and I have deep enough that you'll be aware of how fucking scary it can be. Yeah, yeah, deep enough that you can't just go up. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 thundering and lightning right <laughs> we're in a tin boat we're in like a, a steel boat yeah. in fiji oh fuck and you won't see the beginning the, the top of the boat shows up at 40 feet mm. the, the like the the yeah yeah the mass from visibility yeah, yeah visibility so i get in the water everyone gets in the water and I, immediately i'm like everyone starts to descend on their own i go are we all going to do this together as a team like why, are we going to hold hands and do it like, yeah where the fuck is everyone going and everyone, i'm just looking everyone no one seems like they're anywhere else yeah they're bombing it down yeah and i start to descend and have a moment of clarity where i realize this isn't what i want like i don't want to nothing i want is down there everything i want is upstairs pizzas beer all the stuff i want is above the water nothing i want is below the water yeah and so i start coming back up and my uh my instructor, a very sweet uh, Fijian woman, just comes over and goes, you okay? Okay? And I was like, yeah. I said, I'm having a little bit of panic. And she goes, just breathe. And then grabs my BC and starts deflating me. And we start sinking. And I start having a legit, like, legit panic attack. Like, like, oh yeah. Like, hardcore, everything comes in. I'm, I'm, I'm panicking, breathing. And my cameraman, John Mans, who's with us in London, comes up with a camera and he starts filming me and the second the camera comes over my panic goes away Whoa. immediately and i'm like i'm doing okay and he's like he's like you good and i was like i'm good and he's like and i'm looking around and i go where's the mat you know and he's like down and i'm acting like i'm and i get pulled out i get down to the bottom 
and we fuck around and we swim around the boat. But the, anytime I feel panic or my brain, I just go find the camera and I'm like, hey, take my, I take my regulator out. And I'm like, smile. And I, and my brain's like very like clear the air. And then of course run out of air at 90 fucking feet, like 90 feet. I'm breathing like crazy. Oh yeah. Instructor comes over, looks at my thing and is like, you need to go up now. And I was like, huh? And she was like, and I'm in the red. I'm like, oh, I've been breathing like crazy. And I'm drop. We were supposed to stay at like 70 feet. I dropped down to 90 feet the whole time, which cuts all your time in half. Yeah. And so we have to go up. And now I'm running out of air going up. And I'm like, I just got to find the camera. If I find the camera, I'm not going to die. Wow. And so I'm just like looking for the camera, looking for the camera. My buddy John Mann swims up and I'm like, okay, running out of air. And everyone's like, what? And I'm like, we're going to be fine. Like, and I buddy breathe with the, my instructor. We get to the top. We got to sit at like 15 feet for like five minutes or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So they bring a, a fucking squid down with all the fucking things on. And I'm breathing off that. I'm like, okay. So we get up. I go, I did it. I did it. I did it. And I, I persevered. I persevered. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get in the boat. And my instructor goes, you have one more dive. I go, what? She goes, you have one more dive. I need to take you to 30 feet for five minutes, and then you can get your instruction, your your certification. And I'm like, so me and you are just going to go sit at 30 feet? Like, no cameras, no nothing? <laughs> the longest five fucking minutes hell. of my fucking life. I was like... <sighs> oh, but yeah, but like the second... And that's Nothing right. will make you panic more than being underwater like that, for sure. It, it all, it, sometimes it's someone explaining it to you, yeah. and they go, next time... You're next to a nine-story building. Look up. And that's how much water is on top of you. And I, was, I remember just being like, and I remember getting, we were in Denver and we were, I was next to a 10-story building. And I was like, all that water is going to be on top of me? And it just fucked me up. Yeah. I've seen some of the baddest motherfuckers panic underwater. I've panicked underwater. Like really? Just, oh, yeah, yeah. Especially if the tide's ripping and everything and you feel like you're losing control. Like that, I think for anxiety sufferers, not being in control in nature yeah. is the worst feeling and like lightning underwater that's the type of shit that will trigger it I had, we went swimming with whale sharks in Japan and I got down there and they're like we're gonna be down there for 40 minutes and I was like cool and then 5 minutes in I, all I could think was I have 35 more minutes of this wow. 35 more minutes and I was like and me and the sharks looking at me like I'm not going anywhere <laughs> And I just remember going like, I need a camera. I need someone to talk to. Like, I get this is fucking killing me. Wow. Yeah, I my, I used to take I used to take uh, Xanax whenever I got panic attacks. I, I don't have to take Xanax, and I found the less I drink, the more manageable my anxiety is. I know that, and, the, and like, there's certain foods like I cannot eat spicy foods because it just my stomach mm. dictates my anxiety. I find certain alcohols are worse. Like wine fucks me up. Really, red wine is a downer. Like I feel my most depressed the day after being on red wine. Whereas whiskey, I can fucking go all night and be pretty cool. Really? Yeah. I uh, apparently it's full of um, preservatives. Sulfites. Yeah, sulfur. So, okay, yeah. so so that's why there's a. I don't know if they're sponsors of you, but Fitvine. Have you ever heard of Fitvine? No, no. They're fucking awesome. Oh really? Because they have no sugars, no sulfites, no tannins, all the shit that all the toxic shit that gets in your body yeah. that gives you the hangover that, that they have none of it and that's the same as Serbian wine so yeah. I drink a bottle of Serbian wine every night because it's like cheap wine. I, mean, I don't mean cheap but like no one in Serbia has, has $40 spent on a bottle of wine oh, yeah. so they make home wines that are a little mm. less complex but a little healthier and that's why I could run every morning yeah I I, uh, I love how we're swapping alcoholics yeah, <laughs> let me tell you something yeah. tips yeah fucking Huber, <laughs> listen to this Huberman so but yeah I uh, I there, I've, I've fine tuned it even though I can say that and man it's so funny 
if I, so when we fly, everyone meets at my house. I, I only fly now to, I mean, to do the road really. So everyone yeah. meet my house. Um, Peter, man's my cameraman. Uh, and then the other comics and then my trainer, Lacey, we all meet at my house, man, like fucking clockwork. This, I mean, it's insane. The sec I'll be fine all day. The second everyone starts showing up, I start having my, my, I get blinders on my stomach hurts. I feel physically ill. My head feels tight. I'm like, Mm. my butt starts sweating. I'm like, I got, I'm like, I got to take a shit or something like, and then Leanne's like, honey, it's this is normal. This is what you're going. This is normal. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, it doesn't make sense why this happens. I, I doesn't happen when we get in the bus. We're in the bus the other night driving in the middle of the night, hitting so much bumps from fucking Birmingham or whatever. Just go, 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 go. If that was a plane, I'd be losing my fucking shit, <laughs> losing my shit. I have had such anxiety on planes. I one time, I one time grabbed a black woman's hand and started holding her hand. Oh and I was God. like, I'm so sorry that I have to do this. And she was like, it's okay it's okay you're gonna be fine i'm like i'm fucking i i wear sunglasses when i fly because i will cry i oh, will yeah. start crying oh yeah it's and then i just i get i give up every time every time i go through the same thing i if, especially if i'm sober like during sober october yeah. i give up and i go what the fuck why can't i get what is wrong i look at people reading a uh, uh, book i go so you're just gonna read a book into the grave like you're gonna die reading a fucking book like a world i i I think Do you visualize the plane going down? Do you imagine it? I wait for it to, I wait to just hear a and then and then I'm like well, that and that's what you feel or like a you know like I wait for it I, I I think about it if I have one two drinks doesn't happen just and then I'm like I'm fine I'm gonna take a nap I take a, uh, something called sertraline which is like an antidepressant but it helps you with your anxiety as well right. just takes the edge right off of life well here's the problem I, said, I think my anxiety helps me create so like my favorite feeling in the, in the world is hungover as shit with a cup of coffee in me a little bit you know like a yeah. little shooting everywhere and creative then you, people are always like that I love yeah. the fucking I love my wife calls it fire and hot and uh and I've had some of, some of the hardest laughs early in the morning hung over with a cup of coffee I've been so creative I feel it's like when I write in my journal or I go out and do my gratitudes and get morning sun and I just feel like I love that energy you know it's, it's I, I, I Isla and Georgia both have anxiety mm. uh, Georgia god damn it man that kid's Leanne was really smart she watched me go through anxiety and then second Georgia got her first panic attack I was almost like a part of me was like it was like almost like going like seeing your kid wearing if you're a Yankees fan seeing your kid walk out in a Yankees jersey and you're like ah you're me you're one of the t-. and I was like but then the other party was like fuck it's not the, it's not the Yankees it's like being a Brewers fan you're like oh great you've got you're, gonna, you're gonna be rooting for the losing team for the yeah. rest of your life and I remember saying I remember Leanne was like it's nothing and I identified it was an anxiety attack and I said oh baby, you're having a panic attack. And I said, I was, I was having a drink at the time, sat with her on my lap on my recliner, and I said, hey, this is what I have. This is what I go through all the time. You're not dying. You're not dying. You just need to breathe. I said, you want to sit on the toilet and try to take a shit? She was like, uh-huh. And I was like, go sit on the toilet. And then she went on the toilet. I remember we hear just, and then I go, come on out. And I go, listen, it's totally cool. You're going to live through this. You're going to live through this. You're not dying today. Today's not the day you die. And we talked it through, 
And then Leanne, like a gangster, immediately gets her a fucking therapist. Immediately. George must have been 10, 12. Gets her therapist to work through anxiety. And then Georgia has all these tools to work through anxiety. Isla gets anxiety. Georgia identifies it. Tells my wife, yo, Isla's got anxiety. You need to get her with Dr. Whatever her name is. Dr. Smiles or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so they go and do it with Isla. And now both my daughters in moments of panic have all these tools to operate with that I do not fucking have. I remember I have a hard time. I have sleep anxiety. So like uh, a lot of times I'll lay in bed and I'll just, and I'm not going to bed. Then it gets worse. Like, especially if I have something big to do, like a special or something. Oh Oh, it's like, um, Oh, it makes me crazy thinking about it. And, uh, I remember George was like, uh, Georgia gave me her tools one night. And when I was in Cleveland, they were, I was doing my special and I couldn't sleep and I wasn't drinking. And Georgia and Isla were in the other room and I got up and Georgia was like, are you still awake? And I said, yeah. And she goes, I said, I'm trying to count sheep. And she goes, dad, dad, that doesn't work. Don't make your mind active, dad. And I was like, what? She goes, you're not going to go to sleep if you're thinking about things. You need to have nothing in your brain. You need to think of nothing. Actively think of nothing, dad. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? She was like, that's what Dr. Smiles or whatever said to us. Dr. Smiley said to us. To actively think of dad try to clear your brain try mm. hard to not think of anything so i went in the bed and i'm like i'm nothing i'm doing nothing 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 and then you're laying there and all of a sudden your brain goes horses wearing cowboy boots you're like what the fuck and you're like oh shit i think i'm falling asleep and then i'm like oh my god and then now i don't do it all the time but now, like now if i can if i'm like because sometimes you get caught in the thought and mm. it'll be repeating a thought over and over and over again but so yeah leanne identified it with the girls and now the girls are fucking gangsters you can still see like you know they're still growing and stuff but yeah does so, that moment make you feel like a good dad when you first identified it did you feel useful i've there's only a few times i felt useful teaching them to ride bikes teaching them to swim and when they got anxiety attacks no i because I, I was really visualizing that yeah. i thought i bet you felt like a good dad i felt like you. a great dad there's an i mean I have, I have a list of times georgia would know that i was like that i didn't i mean the best dad thing i ever did was this is the best dad thing i ever did georgia uh, in LA you turn 16 you can get a car but you can't have people in your car until you're 17 so Leanne pulls up at a fucking light and Georgia's next to her in her car with fucking nine girls and they're dancing in the car Leanne sees it waits calls Georgia they're at a light calls Georgia Georgia's like everyone shut up <laughs> she's like hello and Georgia and Leanne goes look to your left and Le- Georgia looks and goes and Leanne's like I'll see you at home in five minutes so she calls me and I go all right. And I realized in this moment, what I've been doing is what my dad did. My dad would take his energy up to here. It would shut me down. And then I would, I would try to course correct based on his energy. So I was doing that with Georgia. I'd get mad. I'd take it up to here. I'd raise my voice. I'd fucking be, God damn it. What the fuck? You know? Yeah. And in that moment, I realized I'm setting her up so that all she knows is I go to a level 10. So why wouldn't she lie to us? Why wouldn't she lie? She goes, if I lie, well, he's, he's, I have a chance of getting away with it. But exactly. if, if I get caught, he's going here anyway. Yep. And so I had to teach her that I, there were, I had different levels of, of how I dealt with her. Mm. So she came home and I was like, she goes, I, I guess I'm grounded. I said, no, you're not grounded. And Leanne's still out. She goes, what? I said, you're not grounded. I was like, I, I don't think you, you weren't doing drugs or anything. You just had girls in the car. She's like, yeah, you can't have girls in the car. She's like, well, so then what's my punishment? Like being real bitchy, I said, I want you to write 
a thousand words, like a thousand words down, because she's a writer, so she thinks really well when she writes, on how it feels when I get angry with you. Like, how do you feel? And then what's the best way for me to operate within there? She's like, are you you being serious? And I was like, yeah. And she started bawling, crying. She was like, what happened to you? And I was like, nothing. I, I realized I'm fucking up by getting angry. I go, I'm not mad at you. I just think that if I'm angry, that's the way I teach you. But I don't think I'm teaching you that way. And she's like, you're not. You're not teaching me that way. And I was like, I don't want you to lie to me. I want you to be truthful. So go out with your friends. You can't drive any of them. You still go out. Go out and have a good time tonight. You cannot drive them. Do you understand that? She's like, I understand. I understand. When do you want these 10,000 or the 1,000 words by? And I was like, wow. Leanne came home. Leanne's like, where the fuck is she? I go, she went out with her friends. And Leanne's like, what the fuck? I go, I go, I think I handled it. And then I told Leanne and Leanne's like, what happened to you? And it's just this moment of clarity where I realized I was coming here every time. It's like, if, it's like, why, it's like if you have a bitch wife who's a bitch and a piece of shit and she's always yelling at you, why wouldn't you cheat on her? Like, why wouldn't you just cheat on her? And be in the <laughs> co- like, what the fuck? Like, you're already a bitch. I don't, but I got bitch all the time. Yeah. Might as well just go out and have fun and then what do I come home? I get bitch. Yeah. So I think a lot of people miss that point in life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People, uh, People want everything their own way, and they forget that there's a. The, you, it's all that, that old saying of you know you get more fucking uh, is it with honey than shit. Like, yeah, basically. And you 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 played a real smart role. Didn't I did. You? I've done that a couple times with George. Mm. Isla and I are buddies. Like I mean, I, Leanne and Isla butt heads. George and I butt heads. Mm. What about your dad? Because actually, one interesting thing I, I learned on the Louis C.K. podcast is he worked for Scientology as a lawyer. Yeah. Wow. Like L. Ron Hubbard, yeah, fuck, yeah. He was uh, so it was right. I was it was probably when I was like eight or nine. My dad represented a a, a man or a woman. I think it was a woman mm. who it might have been a dude who was a drug addict and uh, had they had put him in. He was part of the family members were in the church. They put him into the church and. He was abused or something or something bad happened and my dad represented him and he got out of the church and he sued the church and my dad won, won him a bunch of money. And then the church came to my dad and was like, hey, anyone who can beat us is good enough for us. We want you on our team. So they put him on a retainer, him and my, my, my dad and his partner and gave him a big chunk of money to be like, you're now the church lawyers. And so we bought a house with it. Uh, my dad, we moved out of like more of a, more of a, uh, I don't want to say white trash neighborhood, but a white trash neighborhood moved to a, like a nice community house. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember I, I, I thought nothing was wrong with Church of Scientology because uh, John Travolta was in it. Christy Alley was in it. I mean, it's been cheers was going on. Yeah. And so like I knew all the people in the church. I didn't know of Tom Cruise really at the time, but like, and so I was like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with Church of Scientology. I remember my dad, if any church thing happened, my dad would be like, no one talked to a fucking soul. And then the church stiffed him, and they uh, was it, was he wor- worried about what they because he he obviously knew some of their practices. Uh, he knew all of it. All he, right, yeah, he was like because they lock you down and like. I remember I remember being familiar with the word Dianetics, like I yeah. and so like my dad was like and my dad's just a very skeptical person. Uh-huh. He's a my dad's like a really great dude. He's really smart. Yeah, and uh, and he just didn't trust them. He didn't you know. But like there was always weird. There, there was a, a biker group that would come over and the outlaws. And so like my dad, well, being a lawyer, you just had weird fucking people around at times. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were. And so I Dianetics always. Dianetics is where they test you, right? I think. I don't fucking yeah. know. 
And um, you, did you have Leah Remini talk about this? As well? uh, yeah, Leah Remini. Leah, Leah Remini was on uh, the cabin. She oh, did an episode right. of the cabin, but we had to get rid of the episode because we had a. So that's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a funny way of ending that. Yeah, that's a long story. Uh, it was a long story, but yeah, Leah Remini was on, and I was like, yeah, my dad was um, uh, the lawyer for the church, and then I didn't realize, you know, I was it's a really hot button top topic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She had a hell of a time. With she had a fucking guys. hell of a time. Yeah, because yeah. she was the one who spoke out early, um, and yeah, my wife went to an acting school that the church runs. The Church oh, right. of Science. I shouldn't say the church like I'm one of them, but like the Church of Scientology runs, right? So my wife used to have this best friend who was a fucking lunatic, mm-hmm. a, like a like a real broken woman, mm-hmm. and uh, and so my my wife and her go to acting school, and the Church of Scientology runs it. Church of Scientology has a few like, look, it's like the fucking Liver King. They're, they're gonna some things are gonna make fucking sense, even if the, even if they're fucked up and they're crazy and they're not lying to you and they're not telling you the truth. The Liver King had some good fucking points. <laughs> he did right now. Clearly. Clearly, he was just going about it the wrong way, but like he had good points. Yeah, uh, still to this day, he has good points, and so um, you really bought in, huh? What no, <laughs> he was, a, he was a nice guy, and like I love the idea of like there should be some kind of like ceremonial bloodletting for boys at a certain period where they have to like earn their fucking stripes. I think. I think moving's great. I think I'm look. I'm not going to sleep on a fucking mat on the floor. Yeah. Getting outside, cold exposure. I like all the things he said. It's just like obviously, whatever he. He went about it the wrong way. The church is the same way. Church is the liver king. They're the liver king. They really are. Yeah. Look, they're, they're not going to found, no, not that many people are going to land on horse shit. And one of the things they had was like this, like, like one of the things they had in the church that, uh, that I still think is a good th- idea is that you need to reward yourself when you do big things. You need to get yourself something nice and reward yourself so that you can commemorate that nice thing. Mm. And I was like, yes, because like if you had, I do a special, I was like, I, I did a big tour, and I was like, I want to get a watch to remember this tour. So I bought a Submariner, oh, $10,000, a nice fucking watch. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. And every time I look at that watch, I think about that tour, and I go, how much I love that watch. Um, one of the things they did was like this brutal honesty about but like calling people out and, and holding people accountable. The church did it. And I remember she came back from acting class, and her friend was with her, and her friend's like, this is fucking ridiculous. They said I'm a whore and that I sleep with men to get power and then I try to use that power to threaten the men. And I'm like, she does all of this. And she's like, it's because this church Scientology is fucked up. And I was like, I think they're hitting it on the head. <laughs> How long did they spend with you? Yeah. 10 minutes? Yeah. But uh, we had, uh, I've never, I've never, I'm not like, I'm, I'm not like a religious guy. I'm a religious guy, but more like Catholic shit where it's just like rituals. So... Yeah, I've seen you talk to Louis about that, about want, wishing that you had that level of faith because you seem to yeah. be kind of, I don't know, if fr- uh, we're all not wanting to die, but you particularly seem to be a bit more on edge about your own end. Yeah, because I'm, I'm hyper aware of, I can find, I have these periods of time, I don't know what it is, but like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's depression, but I don't know what it is, but I'm hyper aware of sadness. Like I can see sadness in people and I can, and I'm, I'm, do you know the noise? Like when, like, a, a I don't know, this is horrible to say, but like the noise when real tragedy happens and, and all of a sudden everyone's civility goes out the door and a real scream comes out and people start saying panic things mm. for some reason. I am always cl- very close to that. I'm, I'm very tuned into that. And I, and I, 
I will wake up. I did it this morning, and I will. And I think at one point it goes dark, and then I no longer exist. Just like I didn't exist when Charlemagne was around, and it guts me. It guts me. And like, and I, I mean, it gives me like a like a that kind of feel where you're like, God damn it, let's get this, oh, get this feeling out of here. What the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it would be nice. It would be very nice if I could find the thing, like Scientology. If, I mean, I'm I'm being dead serious. If if I could believe it, if I could believe it, believe it, and go, yeah. A spaceship will take me away one day. Like if I could believe that, I would fucking pay. I'll do whatever the fuck they want. I'll give them the money. I'll fucking hang out with. Yeah, a spaceship will take yeah, me away yeah, one day. It's one fine. day, a spaceship takes us all away. It's fine. I, I met this girl. I had this girl. Rogan had her on the podcast. She's mm. beautiful, beautiful. She was like a CNN journalist, and then she, she became like a psychedelic adventurer. She had this ayahuasca trip, and it and it changed her. She had anxiety, and then she no longer had anxiety. No longer had anxiety. She came to my house. She goes, yeah, this is just a skin suit I'm wearing. As soon as I'm done with this skin suit, I'm going to get a new one, and I'll probably go to space. And I went, and I was like, I mean, I was like, she's out of her fucking mind. Yeah. But I was like, I would love to be out of my mind. I would love, I would love the confidence she just said that with. One day I get a new space suit. Have you done Ayahuasca? No. No. no, I have a hard time eating mushrooms. Yeah, I have a hard time smoking too much weed. Like I'm just I'm I I don't have I don't have control over it. I can't I can't imagine being like I guess I'll let the snake eat me and then just on ayahuasca. Fuck that. I'm so many on unta- t- there's so many fucking risks. It's like what if I'm allergic to like to something in the thing and then I'm, I'm really dying. Like I don't know. I can't. Do you also need to hold on to who you are? Do you feel really attached to that? Because you I remember you saying on Louis, with Louis. I feel special. And yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that you said that. I do. That's why I don't want to die. <laughs> like, that's why I don't want to die. I feel like I'm special. I don't, I don't understand the people that don't. Like, Rogan doesn't think he's special, right? He does uh-huh. not. He does not. And then he'll say, just so you know, you're not special either. And then I will look at him and go, just so you know, we're both special. <laughs> and you're more special than me. <laughs> How do you not feel that? I love that shit. I remember him telling me I wasn't famous one time. And I was like, he goes, bitch, you're not fucking famous. And I go, I'm I'm kind of famous. And he goes, you're not famous because he goes, I know you're not famous because I know I'm not famous. And I was like, motherfucker, you're very famous. I go, you're famous enough that my dad knows who the fuck you are. I was like, what world do you live in that you don't? I go, fucking Ari's famous. Like, what the fuck? So, yeah, I, I definitely feel special. I've always felt special. Do you think you have narcissistic tendencies? I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. I'm a, I'm a, Leanne says it. I'm a soft narcissist. Yeah. Like I don't have, I don't, I would never hurt anyone, but I do have like, fuck. I remember one time when I was a kid, we were at church and my dad and, and I just dropped to my knees and started praying. My dad's like, what the fuck? And I was like, nothing. And he goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm thanking God. And he goes, for what? And I said, all my God given abilities. And he goes, like what? I said, athleticism? My dad goes, you're not that great of an athlete, buddy. I go, okay. <laughs> and I was a kid. Like, I believed. I believed. My dad had the hardest time raising me because I was, I remember when I was in Did first. Did you believe you were destined? Oh, yeah. I was like, sports, definitely my thing. Like, I'll be the greatest baseball player that ever played. To be fair, Rogan said you'd be a hell of an athlete if you weren't such a drunk. Yeah. I, I heard that. That's my favorite. My favorite is to, to, uh, under promise over deliver I think I do that with everything under promise over deliver every man out there that's a line to live your life by especially with women yeah yeah. and then the best is 
Let them think nothing of you and show up like a fucking gangster. I remember when we played tennis, me and Tom, Tom had his trainer with him, mm. his wife, his kids, cameramen. He's had everything. And I showed up hungover. I've been partying with Steve Austin the night before. In, wrestler. Yeah. I've been partying all My night. My man. Yeah. I'm sorry to stop, but no. what is Stone Cold Steve Austin like? Fucking awesome. Oh, awesome. I love this guy. He is. He does not let down. Yes. He does. Yeah. Like he's just there and he's like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. He's yeah. the fucking best dude. Love it. Wasn't drinking at the time. He wasn't drinking. Yeah. And I said, that sucks. And he goes, why? I said, I just wanted to drink with you. He goes, then we drink. Oh. And we just started drinking beers and we got fucking wasted and we <laughs> ate steaks. And I was like, this is fucking great. He is the best. He oh. is the best. So I go, I show up and I ace Tom like 29 times. And the look on Tom's face when he go the the defeat I saw in that man, the oh. defeat was almost similar to when I had to roll him into the hospital when he broke his arm and knee. Like that defeat, that defeated look. I love that. I do that. I, I love when people expect nothing of you and then you show up and you fucking ball. And they're like, what the fuck? I did it with, uh, we were at the Fully Loaded Festival. We do it at ballparks. One night, I'm hammered. We're all sitting there, and the team shows up. We're, on, we're taking down the stage, and the team, the baseball team, shows up. And they've been at the show. Mm. And the one guy's like, I heard you used to play baseball. I said, I did. And he goes, well, let's see if you can hit one out of the park. And I was like, okay. And Attell's like, I bet he doesn't hit one out of the infield. And I was like, Dave Attell, I'm about to take your money. And I get up there, and I was hitting. And by the way, now, I, I was hitting one hops off the fence, but the guy, the pitcher looks at me, and he goes... There's no pace on this ball. Like, he's just like this. Okay. He goes, if I put a little bit of pace on this ball, you're hitting it out of here. And then I was like, I'm about to hurt myself. I mean, I, I love it. So benching, one of my favorite things ever. We bring, how great was this? One of the guys on our tour, Dave Williamson, is an athlete. And he's a strong dude. Big guy, right? We go, we should do a max bench press. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dave's like, ah, I got this. He gets pinned at 225, and he's like, what the fuck? Me and Pete are at 235, 245, wow. 255. And then all of a Love sudden, it. he was the defeat in his face. Like, how the fuck? Are you a competitor then? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but and then I, I have to swallow that because I, I can get competitive, and it does, it's not a healthy thing for me. Like uh, the marathon. Like, Joe, we were all sitting around. We're dicking around. And I said, I'm pretty sure I can run a marathon with no training. And Joe's like, absolutely not. And I go, I definitely can. And he goes, absolutely not. And I go, I, actually, I will. I will. And I ran the LA Marathon with no training. I partied the night before, showed up at five in the morning, registered you know, a month before, showed up at five in the morning, and ran the LA Marathon in five hours, 33 minutes, and 33 seconds. I ran it for the fucking moment where Joe looked at me and goes, you ran the LA fucking Marathon with no training. The moment that, I guess, one time Joe and Cam and, and Ari were all together. Yeah, yeah. And, and Ari's like such a shit stirrer. Yeah. And he's in the back of the car and he's like, hey, Cam, man, did you see what Bert did? And Cam's like, he ran the LA Marathon with no fucking training. And Joe's just shaking his head. Those moments, I think those are better than the guy that busts his ass in the gym all oh, week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turning up and t like showing people that they never thought you could do that yeah. is such a good feeling. But yeah. you know when you talk about destiny, I'm thinking... You had your whole life feeling like you were special, but then when you don't end up feeling special, like in your late twenties, feel a bit of a fit. It's almost harder to go through that. Yeah. So when it all turned out well for you in the end, was that <laughs> was that feeling like? So wait, so man, wait. I knew I was special. No, no there, so there was a moment where I had to realize I wasn't. I got off at 
stage at the store. I wasn't a pa- I wasn't passed as a paid regular. I was 43. Um, everything was kind of falling apart in my life at the time. I was I had my fired from Travel Channel. I I I mean t- we were supposed to do this big tour. Tom and I were supposed to do this tour with Joey Diaz and everyone was on it. Fluffy, Sebastian, Dane, everyone was on it and then I, they kicked me off, not just pulled me off. And I remember telling Tom I was like, yeah, it sucks. I'm not doing any of the dates now. And Tom's like, that's a lot of money. And I was like, oh, it's only $2,000 a weekend. And Tom was like, what? I was like, yeah, it's only $2,000 a weekend. He goes, that's what you're getting paid? And I go, what are you getting paid? And he goes, I don't want to tell you. I was like, wait, what are you getting paid? And he goes, I'm getting paid 20 grand a show. And I went, and all of that, plus Leanne's redoing the house. I'm fired from Travel Channel. I put out my special on Showtime. No one watches it. I'm not a paid regular at the store. I'm coming off the store. I'm overweight. Tom's fat shaming me. I have no shirt on. I have a pair of dad jeans on. I don't have cool shoes on. And I remember I saw a dude. I saw a dude uh, who was gorgeous, a comedian, gorgeous. He had the car. He had the car that I had seen because we were looking to buy a new car. It was the one that they had in the showroom. He had that car. The one in the showroom, the Audi, he had that car. And he had a girl with him who was one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my entire life. And he was ignoring her, standing outside his car texting in clothes that looked like he was about to go to outer space. Like it was, it was like fashion clothes. And I realized, oh, this is, so this is who I am. Like I'm not, I'll never, I'll never be that guy. I'll never be with that girl. I'm this guy who's overweight and I'm, and it's, and it could not happen. It may not happen for me. And I remember, I remember having that moment a few times, and then I was like, uh, "I don't, I don't think that's my story." I remember just being like, "I think I can, I think I can bust my ass. I think I can outwork everyone. I think I can come up with. I'm just gonna fucking double down on me." Mm-hmm. And I started, I started leaning into the fat shaming stuff, and then posting videos and doing workout videos and editing and focusing on my Instagram and like really focusing on my podcast. And it was all the same time that Joe and Tom and everyone was like, you know, you should get away from your travel channel stuff, and all that stuff kind of culminated. And then, and then the the real moment I had, the real moment of clarity I had was when Tom and I were doing our fat shaming. The f- person who didn't lose the most amount of weight had to lose the beard, and I remember talking to Leanne and being like I'm worried I'm going to lose my beard and she goes so what I said what do you mean she goes it grows back and I was like yeah and she goes Bert who do you think people are going to Google more when you go to this weight loss challenge the guy that lost the beard or the guy that won the challenge and I was like oh everyone's going to want to see what I look like with my fat face she goes if you're talking content that's really good content and I was like really and she goes don't stress about this weight loss thing lose weight have fun you should be fun you're not a fucking bodybuilder you're a comedian and if you lose, you're going to look ridiculous and everyone's going to Google you and you'll probably sell tickets. And I went, <sighs> and I remember I sold at the first show I did, January 10th, I sold every, people were coming to my shows to see what I looked like without a beard. <laughs> like they were like, ah, and then, and then I'm a real comic. So I'm doing great comedy. And they're like, God, this guy's fucking hilarious. Mm. And I, and, so, and, I, and then at that moment, that, that six years ago, I turned, I chose to move my life in the, in the direction I wanted to be in. No boss, no no one. I did everything my own. Everything was like, I'll do it all my, my edit it, I'll post it, I'll do everything on my own. I'm good. And I, and I took 
control of my career the same way Rogan did when Rogan got kicked out of the fucking store and he wasn't allowed to come back there and he was like fuck it I'm starting a podcast I'm gonna do spots I'm gonna do the road more I'm gonna do my podcast I'm gonna focus on my stand up I'll do the ice house when those moments of like struggle I think are such a great opportunity to reassess and rebuild and 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 there's nothing more motivating than wanting to someone to go god i was wrong about him that there's the fucking i have a list of short names short list of names of people that i just i wonder if they're going like fuck man we really dropped a ball on that guy that that guy actually was more than i thought he was mm. so i think i you know all of that I, it's funny i look back at that time in my life and I, and I look very fondly on it on, towards thinking of it. Mm. I would never want to do it again. I would never want to do there again. I mean, it was, it's terrifying. I remember it was Christmas time, and I was like, I was like, fuck, like, what if this is our last good Christmas where everyone gets good presents? <sighs> like, I remember, like, there's really yeah. creepy thought. That's the thing I talk about when I think of like I'm I'm tapped into sadness sometimes. Like where I think real things. Like, what if this is our last good Christmas? Oh, fuck. I mean, I haven't been able to buy a house without thinking I'm dying. Like, I go, huh, I wish I'd get to live in this house, but I'll be dead by the time we get in here. I think of that all the time. Yeah. So those rock bottom moments, they feel fucking horrendous at the time. But then you look back at them, you're like, wow, that was the real window opening, door opening moment that I didn't realize. Because it forced you to become a better version of who you are. There's nothing better than, like, I remember going... I remember being like, I'll just post this video. And then, the, and then, and I was like, if no one watches it, they're already not watching it. I remember it was a video of me going like, I was getting a cup of coffee. I go, a lot of people ask me, I was the stupidest fucking video. I go, a lot of people ask me how I get on the gym, how, like, how I party, but I can get on the treadmill the next day. It's super easy. I go, it just starts with music. And I hit uh, Midnight Special by Creedence Clearwater. Let the midnight special mm-hmm. shine a light on me. And I just go, you got to feel the music. Feel the music, Tommy. And I'm just taunting Tom. And I get on the treadmill. I go, dance your first couple steps. Let the midnight special. And then I start running. And I go, I'm coming after you, Tommy. Like I was like, I didn't think anyone was going to see it. I posted it. I do my workout. I get off the treadmill. And the first person that called me was Rogan. And he was like, what is that fucking song? I go, oh, the, uh, the one I just posted, I go, Midnight Special. He goes, dude, I fucking, I haven't listened to Credence in forever. That's fucking awesome. And then I looked and it had like 10,000 views in, in, like, uh, in like 30 minutes, which was big for me back then. And I was like, whoa. And then all of a sudden it had 100,000 views. And then someone was like, hey, we want to add shows. And I was like, what? And then I just was like, oh, you can get paralyzed by, by overanalyzing things. Just fucking do it, post it. Who gives a fuck? You know, my first podcast I ever did, Tom just walked in, hit record, gave a mic to Joey, my dad, him and me. And he goes, this is your first podcast. Do not edit it. Do not do anything. Record it, upload it, post it. And I went for real. And he goes, do not. He's like, you're overthinking this. And I hit record, posted it. Now I've been doing podcasts for fucking 10 goddamn years. But like that over analyzing shit, I think it cripples people. Like, for real. Especially comics. I watched a dude. Love this dude. Love this dude. Got a new special on NBC, Sean Patton. Fucking hilarious dude. Right when stories came out, we're in Salt Lake City, and I've been blowing up on stories. I've been using the Instagram stories a lot. I'm selling tickets through it. Mm. I showed Sean, and Sean's like, yeah, yeah. And I watch him try to make a story about making a cup of tea, right? And so he gets his phone, and he like makes the tea, and then he hits it, and he's like, 
okay, no. And then he, and I'm sitting on the couch and I'm recording him do his stories. <laughs> I'm recording him. I'm putting like I put like 15 up of yeah. his outtakes of the tea. He never posted the video of him taking the tea. Never posted it. And I had 150,000 views. People were losing it on him trying to make the tea. <laughs> and he never posted the video. And I was like, that is that's the thing. There you go. You can get caught up in so much of the bullshit yeah. that you just don't post anything. Well, fuck it. Let it suck. Let it suck. You got to fail. You hung up with Conor McGregor recently. Yeah. In Dublin. At his pub? What yeah. was that like? Uh, caught me off guard. I didn't expect. I did not expect it. Uh, we, I mean, I, we just, I mean, I, I was taunting him the whole week. I was like saying, well, if I see him, I don't care. I'll slap him. You know, whatever. Just being talking shit because yeah. he didn't think I'd ever run into him. Yeah. And so then someone's like, you just got to go to the Black Forge Inn. I go, we'll go there. Fuck yeah, we'll go there. Take some pictures. I'll tag Conor McGregor. For me, it's about like, just tag him and, and people are like, yeah, but it's yeah. fun. It's fun. So we show up and the second we show up, everyone's kind of hustling around. And I was like, wow. And there's a Bentley in the front. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Someone's Bentley's here. And I'm like, I bet they park it out here every night. So people think he's in here. That's what I thought. So we walk in, the manager grabs me and he's like, come on, we got your table ready. And he's like, and I was like, oh, thank you so much. He goes, you gonna, you want to meet the boss man tonight? And I was like, well, yeah, yeah. I don't want to say thank you to whoever. And he's like, because we can make it happen, but it's got to happen quick. We, everyone get your cameras out. And I was like, wait, who are you talking about? He goes, Connor. And I said, what? And he goes, he's right there. He's at the table next to us. And I'm like, I start, Mel. I'm like, it's fucking Connor McGregor. Connor McGregor's right there. Holy shit. And he's like, yeah, he wants to meet you. You know, come on. I don't think Connor knew who I was, in all fairness. I don't think he knew who I was. I think he, I don't think, I take that back because he did tell me to say, tell Joe I said hi. All right. Okay. And so he, he might have known who I was. I think they were aware that I had a lot of big Instagram following. And I think that was the thing. I think. I don't know. Yeah. So Connor comes over and he's like, hey, fucking awesome. Delivers, delivers. I mean, what's up? Hey, come on, let's get a picture. Huh? Hey, get the belt. Get the belt on the guy. And yeah. he gets the belt on me. And he, we do the fist thing. And then he's like, what are you doing in Ireland? And I'm like, I did the 03 arena. And he goes, really? I said, yeah. He goes, sell it out? And I said, yeah. And he comes in close. He goes, me and you sold out the 03 arena. <laughs> and I said, Immediately makes it about him. <laughs> I love it. You two just trying to have a conversation yeah. would be fucking hilarious. He goes, me and you have sold out the I go, I we did. It. And then he was, I was like, I'm taking my shirt off. And he goes, okay. And I rip my shirt off. <laughs> I take another picture. And he's like, ah. And then he was the coolest fucking guy. The coolest fucking guy. And then I get up. I go to the bathroom. I start taking pictures with fans. And Connor sees, like, you know, everyone's got their cameras out. And he's not going to let them down. He mm. comes down. We take pictures with a couple people. I do a video with them. And then we, and I was like, I just, I pulled him aside. I was like, thank, dude, thank you. This is such a big, I go, I, I, you have no idea how much joy you gave me to watch you fight. It was so much fun. Yeah. It was like, or my treat when you'd fight. Because I, I had someone to root for. And I fucking, I have all your old school shirts. And he was just very generous. And then, you know, his whole, his mom came up. She was like, can I get a picture with you? And I was like, fuck yeah. I think his uh, name's Maggie McGregor. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, took a picture with his mom. And we just had a fucking blast. And and then had a great fucking steak. That had a great goddamn steak at that yeah, place. It looks nice to be fair. Like It was great. Yeah. It was amazing. I was shocked there weren't more people. I don't know if they weren't letting people in. But it was like, yeah. it was evenly filled. Meaning like everyone was at a table. No one was crowding. No one was gawking. No one was taking pictures. It was like evenly filled. Did you try that um, 
Like the Guinness. Proper 12? Yeah. Um, oh, no, no. I tried his, his, his stout. Yeah. I had his stout. I loved it. I yeah. loved it. But I, I'm an easy sell. Like, <laughs> if you, you know, I like if you. you're sitting next to me, I'm an easy fucking sell. Yeah. Uh, he's going through a lot right now. He's got this uh, woman who just jumped off of his fucking yacht last year and claimed that he attacked her. She's fucking jumped off his yacht, got um, picked up by the Red Cross. And then... Uh, He's all just been knocked over on his bike. I don't know if you've seen that as well no. on his Instagram. He was riding his bike. Some guy, dro- blinded by the sunlight, drove straight through him, nearly fucking killed him. Um, he is fucking jacked. Yeah, he looks he bigger, is for sure. Jack- like, trust me when I say he is wide as fuck. He is wide. He is hard as a rock. And I, look, I don't know what they say his height is. I, I think they said five ten. Mm. I was looking eye to eye at that with that motherfucker, and I'm six one. I oh. was like, I was like, holy shit, he is jacked. I mean, jacked, and he smells amazing, <laughs> and his clothes are so soft. <laughs> it's they're so nice. Like when you touch him, it's, your hands just go. Oh, really? This lump, lump. He is the. He is the. It's funny because he's actually gone at Joe Rogan a bit. In, yeah, yeah. They, in, talk, they were going back and forth about steroids. Uh, well, and Joe, like Joe, says what he says, and obviously Connor's got an ego. So when yeah. Joe's literally commentating on him getting his ass kicked, he has to say what's happening. Yeah, and Connor doesn't like that, so he's like digging him out on uh, Twitter for like, oh, I was fine, I was fine. You fucking this, that, and the other. Uh, but Joe was actually the first person to even really tweet about Connor in the UFC. Yeah. He 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 said like this guy is he's the guy. We he need was to get him. he was uh he he said to me I texted Joe. I said, "Yo, I'm sitting next to Connor McGregor." And Joe's like, "Of course you are." <laughs> <laughs> and and he's like, "Tell him I said hi." And then Connor came by and he's like, "Tell Joe I said hi." I said, "Joe just texted and said to say hi." And he goes, "Tell him I'll see him soon. See him real soon in the ring." And I was like, Oh, he, I guess he's coming back to yeah. fight. Yeah, and so uh, I, of course I texted Joe, and then I texted them the pictures, and they're like, and then he was, Joe's like, "Of course you took your fucking shirt off." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Conor McGregor was awesome, man. <clears throat> I think we're having to wrap it up now, so I'll ask you my last question. Shoot, which is, we've talked a lot about you, today, so it's a good one to end on. How would you like to be remembered in the event that you're not here anymore? Which hopefully the aliens come and take you away. I want I, I I'm gonna cry this time. That fucks me up. That question fucks me up. Really? Yeah, because I know that'll happen one day, and you and I want to be remembered. I want to be remembered. I think you made sure that that'll happen, bro. I'm trying my hardest. That's all my life is. Is that I want? I just want. Uh, why am I fucking crying? It's all good, man. I just want people like like when they're having a good time to go. Oh man, I wish Bert was here. <laughs> it's the silliest thing. But just like you know, go. He would have made this so much more fun. Like that's it. Like I don't need to be like. I don't need to cure anything or like fix anything. You're a good time. I Bert. just want people to be like, God, man, that would be great if Bert was here. <laughs> man, you're the best time. It's the silliest thing. <laughs> don't want to be remembered. Fucking Nelson Mandela's like what the fuck? You don't want to fucking fix it? I love it. People with hair lips in Brazil. I love you don't want to help those kids? I don't know. I just want people to go. Bert would have gotten his shots. It's <laughs> 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 uh, a fuck. That's it. I love that. That is one of my favorite answers I've ever had to that question. But <laughs> and you are one hundred percent that guy. 
Well, 100%. 100%. Ladies and gentlemen, Bert Kreischer on the True Jody podcast. What a legend. We love Fucking you, man. Thank you. Thanks brother. very much. That was great. That was yes. great. Love it. Cheers, brother.